musical selection for easy listening <laughs> hold on to your dancing shoes and go man go one shall stand one shall fall hello ladies and gentlemen welcome to one shall stand one shall fall the transformers tcg podcast broadcasting live from an underground bunker in the middle of the murky midlands i want to boot some decepticon right in his turbocharger Whoa, whoa, whoa. Calm down, cliff jumper. Wow. Seriously, put that gun down. You're going to kill somebody in this studio. Goodness. Right. Anyway, I'm your uh, host, Lee, from Blue Top Productions. And uh, today, I have a motley crew of people to talk everything about Transformers the TCG. That's right. The trading card game based on the cartoon from the 80s. This podcast will talk about news about the Transformers, the TCG, new releases, deck profiles, and stuff that's happening in the community. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. One shall stand, one shall fall. What's up, guys, and welcome to One Shall Stand, One Shall Fall, the one and only... I am the one and only... That's right, Transformers TCG podcast here on the internet. This is episode 22. Man, it feels good playing Taylor Swift right at the beginning. I'm just saying is all, it's 22... Guys, we've survived. Dave and me have survived the uh, the wasteland. Let's just say uh, we went through the radiation. I didn't grow any hands. Did you grow anything? Did you get any super strength or anything, Dave, from the, the tactical nuke, which was World Strike? Tactical nuke incoming! No, just some more white hair. <laughs> just white hair. Okay. Just white hair. <laughs> so, Dave, so Dave got white hair. I got nothing. I, I had a case of vomiting, but I think that was just because I wasn't used to running a marathon. Uh, but guys, this is... I'm so excited for this episode because, as you know, we have just spent like the last three episodes dissecting and showcasing the World Strike set from the Bayformers. And today, guys, we have one of the heads of the Hydra from the Bayformers in Adam Edgman. Adam, how are you doing, buddy? I am doing excellently. How is everybody doing on your side? I'm, I'm surviving. Dave, are you surviving? Are you good? Spiffing. <laughs> Spiffing. Brilliant. Spiffing. It's spiffing. Spiffing. I am good. It's Saturday night. Um, yeah, good. It's, re- it's a real honor to have Adam on because you're, you're, you're from San Francisco, aren't you? Yes, I am from the, uh, from the West Coast. Uh, I think a lot of people seem to think that San Francisco is like this sunny palm trees, um, you know, 90 degrees shorts weather. And really, I think most of the year it's just about... 65 degrees uh, Fahrenheit and cold and people shivering on the Gold Gate Bridge and you know I've been there I remember I remember we were, we were in like one day we were in San Diego and we were like shorts and t-shirts oh California's amazing it's lovely 
went to um, uh, San Fran and then <laughs> literally was shivering. Yes, yes. <laughs> just, uh, just so we went to Alcatraz. It's like the coldest place I've ever been in my definitely. life. Definitely. <laughs> and if you go to Alcatraz and the wind's blowing, you know, 30, uh, 30 miles per hour, uh, full blast from the north and uh, just driving across the bridge, uh, mostly what you see is a bunch of shivering little legs in shorts and people miserable. <laughs> they yeah. picked San Francisco as a place to go <laughs> that, that in was California. <laughs> It is, it is incredibly beautiful, though, San Francisco. I will let everyone know, if you haven't been to San Fran, you should go. It reminds me a lot of Lincolnshire, Dave, just because it's very hilly. Like, everywhere <laughs> you go is like... Lincolnshire, but not crap. Lincolnshire, but not crap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't... Actually, that's pretty harsh. If anyone's listening from uh, Lincolnshire to this podcast, <laughs> I, I've, I've lived in Lincolnshire. I thought it was lovely. It reminded me a lot of America. You just needed a, you just just needed a car. Man. Like, that's the problem with Lincolnshire. You just need a car because everything is so far apart. But it's awesome. I'm so- I live in Devon, so I can't really complain. You know, like we've got loads of hills here, so... It is true. I ain't gonna lie with that. Last time I visited you guys, I was like, this is really pretty. And then at certain points, I was like, gosh darn, that's a really increasing hill, slowly but surely. But no, it's... it's My flat is on a, a hill, like a 30 degree hill, and uh, most of the uh, people that walk by are tourists, and it does sound like various uh, uh, fuel-driven engines that are driving, uh, <laughs> just sort of driving by with people trying to climb up the hill, just breathing really hard and going, why would anybody ever build houses on these hills? <laughs> and I'm like... You know, it's good for the glutes, and it's, it's good insane. for the glutes, and it's good for the legs. So yeah, um, if you're if you're into a workout, then it's the place what, what's to that, be. What's that street? What what's that street? The really windy was it Lombard, Lombard street, street? Yes. Yeah. 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 That that was a that was a that was a steep hill. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, no, I loved it. I had a great time there, man. It's a beautiful place. Um, Alcatraz, like nothing else I've ever seen. Um, so spooky, like really, really freaky. Um, yeah, we had a blast. We were there. Oh god, it's over ten years ago. But I had a fantastic time in San Francisco. Yeah, I've never seen uh, I've never seen Sean Connery or uh, Nicolas Cage on the island, surprisingly. But I keep uh, I keep hearing you know. <laughs> Welcome to the Rock. There we go. We'll just drop the clip in right there. Gonna, there's the clip. The clip is in. The clip All will right. definitely be in. But Adam, thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your day. Uh, obviously, while we're recording this, your World Strike tournament's going on right now. Like, so this is kind of like a, a fun, like, hey, let's talk about your wave, and then also at some point, let's talk about your tournament scene and what's going on there, because it seems to be, uh, you know, everything's rising really well for you guys at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a busy day, it's a busy time, and uh, it's you know this is sort of what we were looking forward to, after all the long her- the long hard work that we did working on World Strike, and uh, yeah, we were anticipating, and now we're in it, and. Uh, you know, once again, you know, it's not just the stops on the journey. It's also what lies ahead. And, you know, this is definitely not the end of the journey. This is actually the beginning of a, a very long and, you know, sometimes tedious and <laughs> excruciating process. But it all leads to, you know, great things. Awesome source. Right. OK, so ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get straight into it. So, so Adam, like we do with most of our guests, we just want a little bit of uh, a background like uh, if people don't know or they've been living under a rock, what is the Bayformers? What it, who who does it consist of? Because I believe it's an Illuminati of people, <laughs> you know, that live in the San Fran area. Uh, and then just tell us uh, how how you started playing Transformers and stuff, because that's that's all that seems to always be the decent icebreaker, isn't it, Dave? On this episode, is like, how did you get addicted to this game? That's the that's the main thing. So, take it away, Adam. I'm just speaking a little bit about the community that's out here. Um, some of the people that uh, um, are sort of uh, associated with Team Bay Farmers, but uh, you know, aren't 
directly participating in it, just sort of part of the scene that Team Bay Formers sort of emerged from. Uh, they'd been playing in, uh, you know, area friendly neighborhood uh, uh, game stores, uh, starting with Wave One. Um, so there was just a, you know, just sort of uh, this little network of uh, six different stores that started playing the game, slowly started supporting it. Um, for my part, um, I didn't really start playing the game until right around the end of uh, Wave 1, started Wave 2. Um, I'm actually pretty, I've been a huge Transformers fan for most of my life. Um, collected them, I was playing them back in 84 when the cards first came, or the toys first came out. Um, I think my first uh, Transformer was uh, Smokescreen. Uh, and uh, yeah, lots of love for a uh, little blue red car, thir- number 38. Um, <laughs> uh, was a little underwhelmed by, a little was a little underwhelmed by his, uh, his character card, but hopefully we can uh, rectify that in the future. Um, but uh, um, yeah, started playing uh, Wave 2 because I was uh, really into combiners um, when the Wave itself came out. Um, people seemed pretty disappointed about the power level in Wave 2 compared to Wave 1, but for me it was entirely new, and so I had the, uh, you know, the starry I love for uh, Superion, played a lot of Superion uh, during Wave 2, just the whole thing of I will block your damage and also shoot you in the face. That's, that's awesome and great. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I will also combine at the end of the game and just punch the crap out of you. That's, that, that, that really appeals to me um that sort of gameplay um and then uh yeah just uh, more people started coming on board and uh, uh we started making more presence uh, at least as far as the competitive scene was concerned um right around the time of uh, wave three wave four the run up to the energon invitational um definitely some you know more well-known people in the team like uh, david burgos um you know originator of burgos bold um you know some people say he ruined the meta <laughs> i say he innovated <laughs> the meta and uh, also made my life as a blue player uh, a living hell in lots of different ways um but uh yeah you could see probably some of the um some of the items in uh, world strike being you know directly influenced by some more shared experience in uh, playing the game for that long but yeah uh we've been playing uh, you know presence of community for quite a while um like i think i think that while the game was uh, still um being printed by hasbro i think we we weren't necessarily the most high profile group in the community but we were definitely you know people in the know knew and uh, yeah, it seems like uh, you know the opportunity to make our own content and uh, sort of flex our own um, skills and um, abilities uh, in this sort of new new landscape of the Transformers TCG became uh, you know became present at that point. And uh, yeah, we're uh, we're happy to be here. And I I assume that uh, we will continue to be a presence uh, going forward in the community and helping to uh, help it thrive. Awesome. Source. Dave, you got any other questions before I can start drilling Adam about some of the fun funness in this set? I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> drill him with some of the stuff. The yeah, brain. exactly. We're gonna drilling. implant some things. <laughs> so just obviously you you obviously all started like playing face to face and that. So you, you you've really adapted, haven't you, to to the this sort of COVID world we live in at the moment. And like I'm part of your your Discord community, you've got a really thriving um, Discord group now as well, haven't you? So you put you, I, I'd say like ninety nine percent of the time, if you want to play a game of Transformers TCG, 
Bayform was t- um, Discord is somewhere to go. Yeah, we. Um, I mean, I personally have been really impressed as far as the growth of community and the, the very few short months that uh, the Discord has been up. Um, I think I just launched Discord one day as just sort of a uh, just sort of a launching point, uh, sort of a collaboration space uh, for the people that were working directly on uh, World Strike in the you know the early days, and then it just sort of grew really organically into you know sort of a thriving you know pl- a player community, and I'm you know really touched and honored and you know just yeah tickled pink <laughs> by where it is now. Um, I didn't I definitely didn't um, anticipate that. Uh, in the beginning, I was assuming in the beginning uh, when this all began that uh, you know, I would say the the community would have been continued to be active on other community servers like the main the main TFTCG server. Um, but you know things have changed in that time, and uh, yeah, I you know I'm just happy to you know help provide you know another outlet for people to you know really enjoy and play the game and uh, um, you know talk and you know share their interests and you know talk about other things outside of uh, TFTCG really pleased and yeah I would not have expected that from the beginning for sure no it's 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 really really thriving like I you know it's not just obviously yourselves on there like the, the Bayformers you've got like other um, content creators on there, obviously like myself and Lee's on there, but you've also got like Matifer from the Ark, you've got Eddie Santos, who's working on his own stuff, you've yeah. got um, Hawk, you've got Tank Hunter, you know, there's people that are actively doing stuff in the community that may or may not be affili- affiliated to, to the server, but it's all welcomed in your server as well, which I really love. Like everyone's, it just feels like a big happy family. So that's definitely something I think is to be commended. It's a really, really friendly server, and I love it. And some of the memes, the memes, man, are just to make me die. <laughs> is it Mose Eisley, the bar, where there's just loads of different aliens and creators all in the Yeah, that's what place? it feels like. <laughs> that's what, that's it, feels what it feels like. like. <laughs> I'm just waiting for one guy to turn around and like, this guy doesn't like you that much. <laughs> I'm just he waiting for that like one you. guy. It's a, it's a little bit like Babylon, right? It's a little bit like Babylon, where they sort of speaking their own language. Yeah. And, you know, some of the people are, you know, sort of, you know, looking at each other and nodding like they understand each other. But there are definitely always a few people on the outskirts kind of just going, what in tarnation is this person spouting about? I can gladly say I'm like, what have I, what, what have I got myself into? <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it leaks out and sometimes it becomes a meme in the larger community. But uh, yeah, um, that's part of the that's part of the environment, and the organization. We try not to take ourselves too seriously at any given moment because I just think that's a better you know, I think that's a better way to stand as far as a community-led effort. Um, you know, just try. You know, if I had to, if I had to um, highlight some bullets as far as our, you know, sort of uh, community strategy and our philosophy. You know, I would just say, yeah, communities first. Um, to your point about talking about other, all of these other card creators in the, um, in, you know, in in the server. You know, we all make make each other stronger. And, uh, you know, I, that's something we end up, we usually talk a lot about where, you know, new, new creators might come in, they might have ideas, you know, we usually have feedback just because a lot of us have done this already. And, uh, you know, we, we try to be supportive and, you know, um, you know, also provide feedback and we also work on, you know, the art of doing those things. Like (laughs) there's definitely an art to giving feedback and also being supportive. And it's, it's a balance that is learned and is something that needs to be practiced. And uh, yeah. And I think the, the art of giving and taking feedback, just makes you a better creator and a better participant overall and also a better player. So, you know, we're all in it. It just helps facilitate that sense of community 
and uh, yeah, we're all in this together. And you know, it really it really stinks when you're playing a game by yourself. So why should you <laughs> why should you not be uh, community focused? Because yeah, we're all in this to uh, win and lose and uh, have fun together. Yeah, hundred percent agree, man. And I, you know, I I just like to reiterate everything you just said there. Like you've been helping me because I'm I'm blundering my way through my first steps of car design. Um, so you've been helping me this week with, with one of my cards, and I think I'm at the point where I'm happy to start testing it properly now. Um, and just, yeah, like every, like, there's just, every day there's like custom cards being thrown in, the custom cards thread, and people just, just genuinely, like, I really like this part, I don't like this bit, this needs to be tweaked, you know. There's so, there's so much support for everybody there, and I think that's really commendable, and I think that's the thing I really like about the server. And I try and hop in most days and, and have a read, um, of the million messages that Tank Hunter and Hawk have, have fired at each other for, <laughs> for most of the day, but um, yeah, it's, it's it's a it's a great server. So listeners, if if you want to be part of a, a vibrant community, because I know here in the UK we were commenting before we recorded tonight, Lee, weren't we? The UK Facebook page is kind of dying a bit. It there's is not. There's not much activity. It is, it is very sad. I'm not going to lie. And we'll insert a red dwarf clip here. They're all dead. Everybody's dead, Dave. <laughs> Not Chen! Gordon Bennett, yes, Chen, everybody. Everybody's dead, Dave. Wait, are you trying to tell me everybody's dead? That's right, everyone's dead, Dave. It's They're dying. all dead. They're all, They're dead. all dead. They're all dead. Um, so, yeah. Wait, 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 are all dead? Maybe, yeah, they're all dead, that's Dave. A, that's they're a, that's a dead, shockwave Dave. joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You'll have to throw in the uh, the image for uh, uh, shockwave. Are all dead? Yeah. Uh, that's, uh... Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it, I think it's great. It's a really vibrant community, listeners. So if you want to be part of something that is, you know, um, always active, then then I'm sure um, Adam will be happy for us to share the link to him to to join. It took forever for me to join, but I'm there. I'm in the Mos Eisley bar. I'm getting assaulted by guys who hasn't asked for a face, so it's fine, guys. It's all good. It's great. It's all That's good. <laughs> I don't, he doesn't like you very much. Just, he doesn't like you. I'm sorry. I don't like you either. It's never going to get old. Um, okay, so, Adam, I think, I think the one thing when it comes to like creating something as big as your set has been and how it's been embraced was what was the design outlook from the first, from from the get-go did it evolve from something really small to well what what now is available for the masses did it just start off as being we'll create a couple of cards to the juggernaut that it is because <laughs> we've conquered the juggernaut yeah. and we've seen how big it was so could you could you just expand on just like what it started off as and like how it's evolved over its time so one thing that uh, is probably good context is that i've worked in game design before um i've been doing game design just uh, related to some of my outside projects um, outside of work and actually inside work. I actually uh, started doing game design when I worked at uh, EA about uh, 15 million years ago. Um, I was a I was a you know kind of a systems uh, game designer a little bit there when I was there, and uh, really I think a game different de design approaches by different creators lots of these approaches are valid and they all have different strengths and they all have different um i should say you know opportunities to uh op optimize um but uh for my part when i started looking at uh you know after i got over my you know depressive state about the about the transformers tcg um getting canceled and uh, me sort of dealing with uh you know the, the what i was 
processing at the time, and I'm sure a lot of people in the community were feeling the same way about the loss of the game, you know, supposedly, <laughs> at that point in time. I started thinking about um, sort of the the places that the game hadn't gone uh, during its lifetime, and where that the overall game design could go. And, you know, given that, uh, you know, different timeline where um, Hasbro, Watsi would have continued with the game and continued developing the game, where could they have gone? Um, for the purposes of designing World Strike, and I knew at some point that not only was I going to, uh, you know, basically start a project which where the goal was not just to develop, you know, 20 cards, something more along the lines of 100 cards or more, um, was I really started looking at it from a sort of a systems perspective, where, yeah, sure, there were some cards that I was really looking to uh, develop, but really what I wanted to do is I wanted to make sort of at least the start of an ecosystem. And I knew that uh, if I was going to tackle something like, I knew pretty early that I was going to tackle Quintessons, that there was going to be no way that I was going to be able to do an entirely new faction with only a few cards. Um, I would have to build something relatively large, probably something larger than any, anybody had uh, attempted yet in the community. And that was, a, that was sort of a conclusion that I faced and dealt with early. And then once I, you know, got over my, once I got over my, um, I guess my uh, reticence and my, uh, my hesitation, uh, maybe a little bit of anxiety and fear um, to start that project, um, yeah, things just started sliding into place quickly. Um, just, you know, just really thinking about it from a, from a design uh, top centric, you know, from, you know, bird's eye view uh, perspective, then sort of drilling down to the, you know, to the individual pieces as, uh, as work progressed. I think you're spot on with with saying like where would this game gone had Hasbro and Wizards carried on making it and I think inevitably the 1986 Transformers movie was going to be a feature of that obviously the arc did like kind of like some of the iconic characters like the goodies and baddies we had Galvatron we had Rodimus and all that and it's kind of like I, I always thought like, wouldn't it have been cool to see the Quintessons and then you started dropping spoilers I was like, oh my god here they are it's literally the first thing I built when <laughs> when I got my physical cards of World Strike I was like I'm building sharks I'm gonna do it and um, yeah like just how hard was it to design a whole new faction because it's it plays obviously for those viewers that have uh, watched the set review and that and listened to some of minor Lee's dialogue, it plays so different to a conventional Transformers faction. So how did you go about injecting that? Well, um, I'm not entirely new to uh, card games. I've actually, um, I haven't played a lot of Magic in my lifetime, but the Magic that I have played um, was um, back in Limited, um, back in Beta. Um, I played uh, a little bit of uh, Limited Black Border play, um, in 93, 92, 94, that, that era. I definitely had a hand full of Mox Jewels in my in my lifetime once. <laughs> <I'd>, wow. <laughs> I, definitely, I definitely had enough enough uh, high, uh, you know, high dollar magic cards in my hand to buy several houses at one point. And it was mostly just like all my friends that were also involved in that test at the time. And uh, yeah, some of them, some of them actually kept their cards and uh, sold them at some point, and they are now, you know, very happy that they held on to them. <laughs> but uh, I didn't play a lot of Magic. Um, I kind of just, uh, I kind of just played with my friends during the beta, and then dropped out and actually started playing the uh, Star Trek TCG. Um, with you know, which that 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 game had a pretty good span. Um, 
probably uh, was printed for about uh, 10 or 15 years before uh, they canceled that game, but that game continues to be uh, supported via online committees, uh, you know, online tournament play, things like that. Uh, it still, still survives. And uh, one aspect that that uh, game had was a ton of factions. They had you know basically factions for every major race in star trek so you had your federation you had your klingons and romulans um and then you know they just kept adding you know adding you know new factions with new colors and new mechanics um as you know new races and you know came out um one thing that was a bit irritating to me when i first started playing that game was that uh, the sameness of factions there wasn't there wasn't a lot of mechanics between them that were different uh there'd be flavor cards that would be somewhat different, but overall, the overall mechanics for each faction was the same. Um, that was a, basically a source of irritation for me, so I thought early on, um, you know, the Transformers TCG as a more mature game, you know, that's come along, uh, you know, much farther down the sort of evolution of, you know, collectible card games. Uh, you know, they didn't make the mistakes that other games had made, you know, earlier in their history where there was lots of sameness um, mechanics, um, not a lot of flavor. Um, but I always thought that, I always thought that envelope could be pushed a little further. And yeah, it was just so really important for me in the beginning. Um, when scoping out what Quintessons would be capable of doing, um, you know, that they they feel very different from Autobots and Decepticons and Mercenaries. Um, I think even before I had started, um, you know, playing around in Photoshop, um, you know, dissecting cards, card assets, uh, looking at art, um, basically everything started in a spreadsheet. And I think the very first, the very first line of the spreadsheet um, was that we're introducing the Quintessons the Quintessons are manipulators. They're not, they're not precisely um, interface fighters, but they can do so. Um, they have unique and you know specialized strengths. Uh, they tend to play in the shadows, um, but they, when it comes time to kick some butt and take names, they send in their faceless minions to do it. <laughs> and the uh, and the judges and the uh, um, you know sort of manipulators in the upper echelons of Quintesson society, they they say they stay safely out of the way. Mm. Uh, that really translates well into how they play actually like i played a fair amount lee haven't i you you said how much you like the shark to con deck that i was running it's so good though because it feels like to me like day's first build i don't know how it is if this was the intention as well adam it felt like it was like a, a mini horde mechanic before you got to the final boss like it felt like you were playing like an old school video game. It was like, right, I've dealt with one. I've dealt with a couple. Okay, cool. I might be able to hit this guy. Oh no, wait a minute. What the heck? He's just farted out a couple. He's bought them back. I just have to deal with these. Like, come on, seriously. And then by the time you get to the judge, how the game was for Dave and me when we played, um, he was just tooled up with tentacles and armors and stuff. And he was just like, and I was just like, okay, I see how these guys play now. That's pretty darn cool. I guess, I guess it must've took a little bit of time to get those different interactions. Cause obviously Dave built it with sharks. Like I've looked and I've, I've been hilariously looking at the Optimus prime kind of build. Cause that looks really interesting. Then you've got like the Mercs that you've thrown in there and also, you know, just keeping it Quintesson themed. It's, it seems like obviously you had an original idea with the judges. How, how tricky was it to, to then just open up the floodgates? Because it seemed like you, you got your judges set really early on, but then it was like, how do we make their minions good? But then, obviously, they live in a universe with Decepticons, Mercenaries, and Autobots. 
how how was the design aspect for working with all those uh uh how did that how did that come across and how did how did that affect the card design overall well um you know the great thing about uh doing an expansion in a game is that there a lot of stuff is already you know sort of put down in stone you know you still you still have you know things that are common throughout um any given character card for example you know you still have three stats you have your attack your health and your defense and then you have a uh, an ability box and then you have your stars and uh you know, you're still playing within that sandbox where, you know, even if you're going to do something new, you still have these things that are, you know, the, sort of the cor- the cornerstones of design. Um, the uh, the sort of the ease of building on top of that um, should not be understated because, um, you know, I've built new games before. And I tell you, the, the number of unknowns that... Uh, um, that exist for something, creating something entirely new versus something that you build on top of um, is can be overwhelming at times. The the tyranny of choice, right? Um, where design can go any number of directions. And, um, you know, if you're playing in that sandbox where things are known, then basically everything becomes levers that you can pull. So, you know, there's, a, there's, there's definitely, you know, as is with the judge design right now, you can kind of see where, you know, things kind of lie as far as that theme, right? You're talking about something that has low, you know, low attack, you know, something that has, you know, decent defense and something that has a higher than number uh, of, of health than, you know, than usual. And I knew that, you know, in the beginning, I kind of knew, yeah, that's kind of where we need to go. Because how, how often have we seen a judge in a TV show, you know, just sort of, you know, layeth the smackdown on Prime? You know, never. <laughs> usually, they're, yeah. usually they're kind of abused by you know uh you know even somebody as small as frenzy right you know yanking on yanking on a chain that you know that where a uh, um you know a judge is attached to the end of or like that one idw comic monstrosity where uh, megatron is dragging the judge across the desert and all the judges can do is basically uh wine and uh, yeah. talk cryptic yeah <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> So, but they are, they, they, but they are manipulators, and they do, uh, they do have a, you know, they do have brains in their eggs, even if they're a little warped and crazy. Um, they do know how to, you know, how, how to pull the strings of things, and uh, you know, apparently they have a lot of sharktacons. So, you know, clearly uh, they were competent enough to uh, build that army and uh, keep them under control at least until Grimlock shows up. <laughs> so. Um, so yeah, the power of choice was uh, something that I arrived at very early in its in their design. Where um, I think in the beginning we were like, well, we kind of maybe do want to do a keyword for each faction because uh, um, yeah, those keywords kind of already existed. Like um, uh, Autobots had safeguard, and Decepticons had revenge, and mercenaries had bounty and we were thinking about doing a, a keyword for quintessence as well but the, the more we started developing choices for for judges the more we kind of realized hey we don't need a keyword we just have this mechanic that they t- they kind of they kind of own you know there are there are uh, there are uh, exceptions to that um there's promo omega supreme more on that later <laughs> that has a <laughs> bulleted list of choices um, but for the most part, choices, uh, you know, you, you see those a lot in other games, uh, but not so much in Transformers, at least up to that point. And I thought that was a good design space for uh, Quintessence to sort of exist in. So so if we we're going to stick with bringing back stuff like because you touched on it a little bit, Adam, about like the Autobots had safeguard and obviously the mercenaries had bounties. I think the one thing I took out from your set was there was a lot of love for specific things like whether it was uh, mercenary. Uh, upgrades or mercenary cards. You you did a lot of melee cards. I'm not going to attempt. Uh, Brian Brian has told me how to pronounce this card all the time, 
that that uh, Angua or whatever Surge or whatever it was, or whatever you want to call. Oh, Angle Moi Surge. Yeah. yeah, it's very French. Yeah, it's very um. French. I think that's probably why I struggle saying it. Um, <laughs> just a stab at the French right there. Um, well, uh, just uh, take the take the take the baguette out of your mouth and uh, put on your striped shirt, and you'll just uh, you'll be fine. Yeah, take the baguette and <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> no, it's it's I have. <laughs> I think it's really cool that you you chose certain cards like that. Like you you wanted to embrace that. Was that like the get go when it came to some of your battle cards? Was like some of the stuff that wizards kind of forgot about, like the mercenaries and some of the keywords they bought into the game. Was that one thing you wanted to push as alongside obviously some of the great cards that you were putting alongside the faction of obviously the quintessons that you were building. Uh, my love for uh, transformers is pretty uh, multi-textural, and uh, I would say that my first love, other than the toys. Uh, was lore and uh, just getting deep into the Transformers lore and uh, I think other than the sort of standard like G1 loved Beast Wars, um, the first thing I really sort of glommed onto when I sort of got back into it uh, in my adult life was the Japanese uh, lore and you know those characters like Star Saber, um, Deathsaurus, um, you know, and along with that territory comes, you know, a lot of stuff that people haven't seen in the American uh, mythos of Transformers. You know, you, like Angelmoss Search, that's where that came from. Um, that was originated in the Japanese Beast Wars uh, timeline, where um, basically remnants of Unicron uh, was present in, uh, you know, certain places in the Transformers universe, and that energy uh, would uh, be was called Angelmoss. And yeah, it's a it's a it's a strange word unfamiliar to us but certainly for people that were Japanese Transformers fans it's you know old hat um, one thing I definitely talked to a lot um, as far as you know people ask me um, as far as getting into World Strike it just seems you know other than Quintessons which I've heard about there seems to be lots of sort of unfamiliar <clears throat> topics um, you know things in there that I just I, I personally have never heard of <laughs> you know and uh, um, just a lot of obscure lore in that in that wave and I would say that's where a lot of my love for the for the for the property and the brand really lies um, is sort of the more obscure corners of the uh, of the of transformers and uh, you know a lot of the even a lot of the Quintesson characters is like you know about the Quintessons, but you may not know that this particular Quintesson um, I think you might have mentioned uh, uh, Dr. Clap uh, in a previous uh, episode. Uh, <laughs> <The> Clementia. <laughs> clap! He's got the clap! <laughs> yeah. That clap, right? Um, he's just very excited. He always wants to show his enthusiasm uh, with his little tentacles. Uh, but, uh, okay. Oh, dear. Anyways. Um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so, moving on. Um, yeah, Clementia was the uh, was the uh, basically the judge that uh, resurrected Optimus Prime in season three. So um, yeah, that was that was that's why he's the medical magistrate. Um, yeah, he's not self medicating; he's medicating others. <laughs> so yeah, it, that that's a uh, you know for for me as a designer and just for somebody that really appreciates the Transformers lore, it really brings me joy to sort of you know take these things that not everybody knows about and put them in card form so that people are exposed to it um as far as i knew it'd be a good approach to take because it's not as if the hasbro game when it was still in print didn't delve in obscure characters and subject matter in their cards too like did anybody know who night racer was before night racer became an srt no no srt um you know night racer was a very very limited uh botcon exclusive uh during botcon 94 and that toy is extremely expensive and rare and 
Um, you know, I don't think they ever made another version of Night Racer anywhere else in any episode or cartoon. And you know, somebody at Hasbro who had a similar love for these obscure characters decided, you know what? This character that nobody's ever heard of, but got a toy made once, but there's probably only like 300 of them in existence in the entire world. Let's make a SRT out of it. And that, that way people will look into the character a little bit and get interested. And, uh, you know, seeing the way that Night Racer plays, it's, she certainly made an impact. Oh, definitely. Like, she's definitely one of the, the strongest SRTs from my five. Like, just for, for her value, like, pure value, five stars. 11 health like really really strong kind of grossly overstated in my mind but uh yeah i, I, I may... still love that card it's incredible value yeah absolutely i think i think everyone like loves playing with her but against you know, oh really like oh, <laughs> oh. of course you picked her yeah yeah totally um yeah i think for, for me like coming back into transformers after a long hiatus um for me what what kind of pulled me back in was obviously the card game but then kind of looking i started reading the comics so how much of the idw timeline influenced what you were putting into world strike hugely bigly um a bunch of adjectives that end in ly yeah very much very muchly um yeah uh, i did love i did love idw especially the uh 2004 2005 uh, continuum um haven't gotten too much into the new one although i hear that's also quite good um yeah, um, it, it was a it was a pretty big uh, deal for me to sort of delve into that you know that specific lore and pull out concepts. I think you had, um, you know particularly pulled out uh, Gift of Inter Innermost Energon. You know that was a uniquely IDW concept of the of different transformers pooling their energon together uh, to you know either honor a dead transformer or you know help bring one you know back into you know a better state of health. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great um, nod to to that um, comic book and that because I'd like prior to reading that I had not heard of Innermost Energon, so it was really really cool to see that you acknowledge that in, in the set. Um, f for me, like lo looking at all all the stuff in it that's in the set, like with the Quintessons, and obviously they're really unique. You've kind kind of I don't know, probably sort of probing a bit here what's coming, but. Universal um, Greeting was one of the cards I was most happy to see. I'll use the Universal Greeting. Universal Greeting? Watch, I'll have him eating out of my hand. Ba weep grana weep nittybong. Ba weep grana See, the Universal Greeting works every time. Because ba weep grana weep nittybong's quite long upon on the top of a card. You've hinted at Junkions, so so obviously we've had the Quintessons and all that. I'm I'm asking, I'm probably delving into like no, Dave, we're not telling you yet. Junkions, are they coming on mass? So let me tell you a, a little bit first about the logistical and production issues with uh, a Junkion production. Um, just from I would say from a detached point of view, as far as like you know. Let's just pretend somebody was making the Junkions. I'm not going to say who is making the Junkions, but let's just pretend there's some guy. Let's just call him Alan. Alan. Uh, Alan. Let's pretend this guy is uh, making Junkions. Um, so there, there are definitely hurdles to making Junkions in the game. First off, um, there's not a whole lot of art out there for Junkions. Now, you, you would think that, yeah, weren't Junkions like a huge player in the movie and in season three? Um, you know, just, uh, 
we definitely have seen lots of Rekgar and his and his buddies, um, you know, in media. But uh, when it comes down to actual like production art, it's there's not a whole lot of it. Um, there's a, a little bit in Legends, but most of it is uh, is Rekgar. Um, there's actually uh, quite a few Junkion characters. A lot of them are motorcycles. Um, <clears throat> you know, definitely IDW played a lot with Junkions, especially in the later phases of that storytelling. Um, introduced a bunch of new characters too, which uh, I think really enriched, uh, you know, Junkion lore and what is known about Junkions. And you know, it's not just Rekgar, even though he gets all the, you know, he gets all the fan service and you know, he gets all the uh, all the exposure um, in his various forms that he's taken over the years. Um, yeah, it's really challenging to make Junkions. And to to the point that we were talking about earlier about uh, Quinnison design, it's really you know, it would be really important for this hypothetical person who is, uh, you know, trying to bring Junkions to the game. Um, it would be really important for him to uh, make sure that uh, Junkions also play very differently than everybody else in the game. And so um, I think it would be, you know, if I were to give advice, whoever he is, wherever he is out there, that, that young, uh, optimistic uh, card creator from, uh, from uh, Team LA Farmers, um, I would say that uh, he take his time in making sure that Junkions, you know, are an ex entirely new experience in the game, and uh, that they play very differently, just like uh, just like Quintessons have, and you know, so far Quintessons have been a success and very well received in the community, and I'm super happy about that. Um, just do just do the same with Junkions, and yeah, get it right. Yeah, it's I, f I feel like it's really like it's interesting when you're trying to think of like a faction. Like I I agree with everything you said there, Adam. It just like Junkions, they're kind of like, in a, in a way to me, when I saw them in the movie, I felt like they were like a good version of like a Shark Tacon. They're just like endless minions. Because like when Dan, RC, Springer and Ultraman, everyone, they're literally just going against hordes and hordes because even Dan's like, they're everywhere. Like it literally is. So trying to get a unique like outlay on them could be quite awesome because it's like we've seen like we didn't know how they were going to do combiners that was kind of interesting and then obviously we saw headmasters where what hasbro did and what wizards did which was very different as well so it's it's definitely going to be a, a unique experience but like i couldn't let dave not spoil universal greeting i think it'll be sacrilegious because he's been crying out for that card <laughs> for so long I, I i did i like I, I was like every every content creator we spoke to him like please can you make a card called bar week grand our week mini bong or universal greeting please please and then you guys did without me asking you. I was like, I love these guys. True. Um, yeah, like uh, so so flavorful. I love it. Yeah, I love cross factional cards. It's it's a it's a it's a it's an opportunity. We were talking about flavor earlier, especially factional flavor, and how we how that really sort of brings a game, you know, a game's uh, particular faction identity, you know, to life, where you're really feeling like you're playing Autobots or Decepticons because the mechanics reinforce what you've already sort of supposed about that you know decepticons being a little bit you know backstabbery and you know quote unquote evil and uh, underhanded you know autobots a little being being more up and up but you know occasionally um a little bit of uh, authoritarian <laughs> and uh um Quintessence really being uh, you know the manipulators in the shadows and uh, being shifty and uh, unreliable and unpredictable um you know, as far as uh, Universal Greeting is concerned, yeah, I definitely wanted to create that card where um, it's Autobots um, interfacing with this, you know, mysterious new species, whether it be, uh, you know, Quintessons or Junkions. And uh, I really wanted to capture sort of a gift box 
um, sort of gameplay where yeah. you would have multiple options, and that really plays into Quintesson, um mechanics as is. You know, having a choice, and you know, I definitely wanted to make a card where. Um, you know, the, you have this gift box, and you can just basically pull out. You know, it's kind of like a kind of like a chocolate sampler. You know, it's probably <laughs> nothing amazing. You know, because you know these things are. Uh, you know, they they make a million of these a year, and it's not the best chocolate you've ever eaten, but it's, you know it's decent. It's all right. You know? <laughs> It'll do. <laughs> yeah. But there's a lot of choices. Yeah, you get a little bit of a boost, and you get a little bit of a buzz. Uh, maybe a sugar buzz, maybe otherwise. Um, but uh, yeah, you have some choices there. So, obviously, when it comes to designing cards. I know, I know for, for me personally, if I was looking at designing a cards, and I think I've said it multiple times on this uh, podcast, first thing I'd look at is making Blitzwing. Like, your favorite characters are always on the top of the list. Was um, With this set, was any um, characters that actually made the set were um, something that you knew immediately, you're like, I'm excited to design this one card or this, like, a few in particular that you were like, this is going to be amazing. This needs to happen. I'm excited that I get to put my kind of take on that character as well as I got to design something that, you know, is one of my favorites, you know. I wouldn't say that Gilthor is my favorite character in the uh, in the mythos, but it's definitely one of those standout characters where I think of Gilthor and I go, this is a really great, awesome character that nobody knows about. <laughs> and I would love to reveal this, you know, this character in some sort of way to the Transformers game, and that was, you know, a very, very early bullet um, where I made the decision very early on, like, Gilthor is going to be our SRT, and he's going to be a great, very solid character, um, a very expensive character, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we've. Um, also, uh, so there are people in um, Team Bayformers who are also huge G.I. Joe fans. G.I. Joe is the code name for America's daring, highly trained special mission force. Its purpose, to defend human freedom against Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. I got into it a little bit when I was a kid, but uh, you know they still have you know an immense interest in the in in GI Joe, especially vehicles. And I just remember one day, um, you know, talking to my friend and looking at the Thunderclap and going, "Wow, that's an amazing vehicle. Uh, it's basically this sort of rocket launcher pulled by two different smaller vehicles. It has this giant rocket on it. It's green." And I was like, you know. I don't want to do the because Gilthor was depicted as sort of this uh, um, gun truck in uh, in Japanese lore, and I thought, well, that's interesting, but it's a little bit too derivative for my taste. Like it's it's too it's too on the nose as far as being a Optimus Megatron uh, amalgamation. Um, it's like, of course, it'd be like this, you know red truck with a handle on the side <laughs> of course that's what you do if you put if you threw uh if you threw optimus and megatron together and i thought you know let's let's be a little more creative about this why don't we uh riff off the thunderclap and call that gilthor and so yeah there was this whole process with uh IDing gilthor for the transformers tcg sort of fleshing out what his features would be what he would look like um, working with Harvey to, uh, you know, Harvey Bunda to uh, come up with this art. We actually ended up splitting those uh, 
we spend splitting those uh, duties pretty, you know, pretty large percentages of each bit of work in order to come up with Gilthor or a split between us. Um, I'm an illustrator myself. And uh, what I did is, uh, you know, the work that he does, you know, completely blows me out of the water as far as his, uh, his ability to render a you know, character to such fidelity. Although I'm pretty good at design and he was definitely in the beginning of the process, he was definitely asking me lots of questions as far as like, what, do you, what does this vehicle actually look like? Uh, what does the robot actually look like? I, you know, we're dealing with an original design, you know, maybe you can give me a better idea other than, you know, this is a thunderclap that turns into something that kind of looks like Optimus and Megatron. And uh, so I ended up doing lots of orthographic work, um, basically just, you know, taking the thunderclap, um, changing things here and there in order to accommodate the robot design, um, making changes just to make it work uh, functionally. And uh, yeah, just uh, I did the vehicle side in front and the robot side in front, and I sent those to RV, and he said, "This is incredibly useful. I think I can run with this." And uh, yeah, then he produced the art, um, and it looks like what uh, you know everybody's seen as far as uh, Gilthor's design. And that was a that was a you know as far as you know as far as you know our communications and such. He thought the whole process was really fulfilling and enjoyable, and you know um, you know. We, we lifted that to design together and it was a we hope to do it again in the future it's a standout card from the set without a doubt like I've I've you know from a, from a gameplay perspective he's incredibly good he's incredibly powerful he he's kind of like the polar opposite of the judges but the artwork as well the artwork is, is spice I just love it man I think what you and, and Harvey created there is is so good. Because I had no idea who Gilthor. I had no idea who Gilthor was. I actually had to look it up. I was like, "Who's Gilthor? Like he looks a bit like Prime there." But I was like, "I don't know." And and yeah, um, spot on. Like probably my probably one of my favourites from the set. He just plays when you actually play with him, especially with colossal cannons. You're just like, oh, "This is awesome." Yeah, and everything in there. You know, going beyond the production of the art, and also going a bit into the design. Uh, you know, the mechanics of the card. Um, that card went through quite a few changes. Um, Gilthor used to be a 15-star uh, card uh, with 22 health, um, and uh, I believe, I think um, his bot damage might have been eight, and his uh, his vehicle might have been six at one point. So he was also swinging, you know, for sort of OPBL numbers um, with a much higher health pool count at one point. Then we just decided to lower him down to uh, 13 stars uh, just so he'd fit into slightly more decks than 15 uh, would but uh, yeah we powered him down just a little bit just to bring him in line with uh, um, OPBL and you know other leaders and of that of that size honestly I was thinking the same thing uh, you know during uh, Gilthor's design I'm like we never got a good Megatron and um, Gilthor is an opportunity to uh, take a Megatron-esque approach uh, to a character design, uh, even though it's not Megatron, um, it's definitely influenced by Megatron, and maybe this would have been a great Megatron. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's a few differences, I think, um, you know, mostly around flavor, like, I don't think Megatron ever played with tentacles before. <laughs> but, uh, you know? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what he does? Just, get, just to give you a bit of a spoiler um, into things that we're working on, um, we worked obviously on uh, a different version of Optimus Prime for BFA World Strike. Um, I think it's probably safe to say that there's going to be a Megatron in BFA. Yeah. Good, good, good. 
good. <laughs> I do find it funny though. I do. Uh, David and me said it. I think in our review, we do find it funny that the Optimus Prime is ranged, but he has an Energon axe. We find that effing hilarious. Like seriously. Yes. Yes. The, the reason the reasoning is that his arm fell off, and then he threw it at at the enemy because yeah. Now he used his ranged weapon, and now 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 he's gonna have to switch over to melee. But yeah. You shouldn't let Prime throw his arm at you. I just think that's rude. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I, I, and just and just the the little things to it as well, like the extra arm for the battle card get, gets me every time. Because like I think we talked about it. Just like wouldn't it be funny to just run loads of these with the uh, with the general like what was it Galaxy Prime? Yeah, just galaxy, have all the arms. Yeah, three, yeah, yeah, three arm Galaxy Prime, which. Which actually works because the Galaxy Prime figure has these armatures um, that swing, uh, you know, down below his arms. So it's not entirely out of the question. I mean, you have you do have these arms holding huge cannons. So I think that's uh, I think that's thematic. So so going going on, obviously, you're you you've said you've enjoyed uh, bringing Gilthor to the game. In, when it comes to you playing with your own set, is it kind of is there anything that you've enjoyed playing more than anything else, or is there still stuff you haven't even tried uh, with your set as well? Because there's it's quite an undertaking. Like it makes me want to go back and look at Mercs, and I'm like, what the heck do those guys do? I can't even remember. You know, and it's 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 kind. Of, I get. I guess it's opened up a lot of uh, people's binders. I guess to to go look and look back at stuff. So is there is there anything that you love playing and what you're looking forward to trying out? Obviously, definitely. So, you know, just as a game designer for World Strike, I definitely. If we're going to treat World Strike as an ocean that you swim in, I've definitely gone into the shallow end at least with all of the cards. You know, I've, I've definitely you know play tested them enough individually to at least know. You know how they interact as a whole with themselves and other you know wave one through five sets um you know in many cases i know how they interact with uh, art cards and atp cards and such um but i would say that uh yeah the, the depths are still largely unexplored in that set and there's still a lot to be learned um i've been playing shark cons a lot and obviously in the beginning um you know shark cons were an early concept i was obviously playing them a lot while developing shark cons and you know i probably put more time into shark cons basically than anybody has you know that which is understandable because you know i'm the i'm the person that made them but um i've been getting back into them recently just because other players have been picking up things about them and you know sort of finding things about them that haven't really been seen before and i've just my that really just sort of increases my curiosity about uh, their their overall mechanic because i'm actually playing uh I'm playing a uh, Sharkcon deck that's actually been testing very well against Menasaur, um, and um, you know any 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 deck of cards that uh, um, you know puts up a fight against Menasaur is one I'm I'm very interested in generally um, with ATP Menasaur. So I still think there's a lot to be discovered in the set. Uh, I, Per the, your point about uh, mercenary play, uh, I was definitely playing mercenaries a lot during Wave Four. Um, Oct Oct Octone in particular, um, I was definitely one of the Octone crew. Hey, Evangelist, <laughs> and uh, that was a little bit of a meme during the Energon Invitational, the Octone crew. Um, but uh, yeah, um, it was always just a just a cry and shame. What uh, how uh, how dirty uh, Wave Five did uh, mercenaries and uh, Amen, yeah. Amen, brother, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> It just did it. You did a dirty. Yeah, dirty. <laughs> this is going to take some time. Everything's very dirty. 
just so dirty. And, uh, you know, they don't deserve that. They don't deserve that. They're hard workers, you know. They just wanna, they just wanna earn their bounties and go home and have a little McAdams, you know. They don't deserve that treatment. Um, but yeah, um, to your point about, uh, um, certain themes that, uh, World Strike explored, um, you know, along with my love of lore, um, in the Mythos, especially obscure lore, I just don't like the idea of things being, uh, being forgotten. And, uh, Mercenaries was sort of one of those things. Uh, plan was another one of those things. And so I, there's a lot of plan cards in World Strike. Things that support plan, uh, gives it, gives it more of an option as, uh, as far as current gameplay. Melee! Melee, what did that even mean in the game until uh, until we injected a lot of life into them? Um, I mean, melee is sort of like the thing you're sort of forced to play if you couldn't play ranged or specialists, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's nothing special about them. And yeah, uh, yeah we, we right, you know, I would say, you know, about a month after we started um, developing World Strike, we actually took all of the traits of the game and we tried to figure out what a future roadmap for those traits would be. And uh, you know what that means is trying to figure out you know what makes those uh, what ma what makes those traits flavorful. And so yeah, we have this spreadsheet that has uh, melee range specialists, trains, planes, um, yeah, every single trait um, outside of the uh, micromaster ones. And we try to determine what's that mechanic going to look like in future in future uh, in future sets and future cards. And as far as the melee direction, we like we were just like well. Wouldn't it be kind of interesting if we just uh, rewarded you for punching yourself in the face? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some, there's some great cards for, for melee. I think my favorites, um, talking about just that, is the Polydermal Graft. That card is nuts. That's so good. Yeah. I, I ran into a couple of uh, instances recently playing uh, Polydermal Graft Index where... Yeah, it's a great card, but I ran into situations where I had one health, and I couldn't play that card on myself. It saved my life because it would just it would have killed me first. And I like that kind of card design where decision points are made. Is there? Do you feel like there's some stuff that uh, is in the Transformers universe? And obviously, you've said you're a big law guy that seem possibly like not touchable. Like you can't design them like well. Like, I'm just going to say now, like, everyone knows I love the Decepticon Justice Force. Like, everyone knows I love those guys. They're very determined. And obviously, you know, if you're a youngster and you're playing this game, if you've read those comics, how dare you at your age? Because what they do is not that great. But one turns into an electric chair. <laughs> one brutal. turns into an electric chair. How is that going to work? I don't know. Is there anything that you think could not make any sense? Like, I'm not going to bring up the stupidity of Broadside. Like, everyone knows the saga I went through with <laughs> with Wes and Broadside. Like, here yeah, he's two things in one and all that jazz. But is there anything you think that is possibly... It It just seems that bizarre that they... If someone makes it fair play to them, but they're probably... They're better off left probably on the sidelines. As you mentioned, Broadside, I squirm around in my chair uncomfortably. <laughs> <laughs> no no I, to your point um i think uh let me just i'll just i'll just say it it's a two-word phrase kiss players fair, fair. <laughs> so so for people who aren't so sure about this do you want to do you want to expand on that just for people who don't get that <laughs> 
because uh, we might have some listeners who aren't 100 percent sure <laughs> one of one of one of the um one of the jokes uh we um we used to get a lot of grief about the name of our team team bay farmers because in the beginning people thought that we were going to do a wave of bayverse figures um characters you know based on based on the movies of michael bay um spoiler alert we never will <laughs> um, it's, it's just something that matched really well with the fact that we live in the San Francisco Bay Area and it was, you know, it was a bit tongue in cheek, but yeah, we, we, we used to get a lot of heat about that. Like, I will never support your cards because you call yourselves Bay Farmers. I'm like, no, oh, have at you, Haas. Um, but, uh, uh, one of the jokes we always, one of the retorts we would always bring back as well. We were thinking about going by the name Team Kiss Players, but we decided on Bay Farmers instead. And the people in the know were like... We're glad you picked Bay Farmers. <laughs> <laughs> now, as far as other things, um, I mean, it'd be really hard to pull off a, uh, a, a Decepticon. I think that'd be difficult. <laughs> you combine all of your Decepticons into a combiner. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> I think uh, that deck would be a little bit too large to play with. Um, but uh, never say never. Maybe um, maybe Ammonites, um, the Minicons from uh, IDW. Um they probably be. I, 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 you know, I say that. I, the more I think about it, I'm like, oh, I would actually really love to bring the Ammonites into the game. <laughs> it's just that there's not a lot of them that are actually uh, named. But uh, yeah, there, uh, yeah, it's anything, anything that has to do with uh, um, problems with scale. I think is uh, is uh, is 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 uh, challenging. I honestly thought that the uh, when when uh, Powered by Primus was working on the Unicron raid, um, I thought they would have issues pulling that off, and uh, I thought they did a really good job. Uh, they really laid down a great framework uh, for a, you know, sort of a, a raid format uh, experience in the Transformers TCG, and what we talk about a lot nowadays is possibly expanding that experience, and I think they're to be commended by, uh, you know, taking that uh, leap and bringing something to the game that hadn't been seen up until, up until that point. Yeah, I, we, lo- we love the Unicron raid. I think it's just yeah. just so much fun. It harkens back to me for like Arch Enemy and Magic. Um, really, really, really good fun. I'm looking forward to to um, where they take that as well because we, we've had hints from Wes about like Nightmare Mode and... Their new, new, new like, shiny where, one. Insane, yeah, insane mode and stuff. So it's really cool because that's actually something when you were talking about Angle Marsh Surge, I wanted to say like because you've got, got it's a little bit of... Uh, help for Unicron on that card, isn't it? Because, like, if, if you had Unicron Chaos Spring, you get a Chaos Counter. So that's that was cool. Yeah, I, I actually wanted to add a little note um, as far as uh, I know that uh, the two of you had been talking about sort of the Ark uh, Bayformers relationship, and uh, occasionally I think... Um, I guess there's sort of a community thought that, uh, you know, our collaboration was, you know, sort of this long storied history. And to be honest, uh, that, you know, that, that sort of a collaboration only started very recently. And as far as the Angle Moss Search uh, edition, uh, with the, that it would uh, add, you know, a little something to uh, Unicron Chaos Bringer. Um, that was actually something that I surprised them with. Um, I didn't go to them first and say, hey, we're doing. We're making a card that's going to support the Unicron raid. If if, if they ever decide to uh, uh, throw other cards in, um, I, we just did it, and uh, we they sort of discovered it on their own. And, and uh, they they brought a um, they brought a uh, myriad selection of reactions. And I was happy to hear that uh, that their reactions were so passionate and so uh, and so strong. Uh, overall, the the overall reception was quite positive. But uh, it wasn't all positive, but most of it was. Yeah, I I, I love that nod to to, to the um, Power by Promise. Right in the arc, just, just, it's really cool. And it's, 
we can talk about that actually um, as we, as we go th- go through through the episode, like how that relationship with the arc started and stuff. So that's so that's really cool. So it's good that that you said like you know it's re- recently, but it's, it's quite a few months ago the announcement was made, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd say probably um, like two and a half, three months or so. Exciting, like you know from 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 our perspective, like you know two two of the big players sort of working in in cahoots as it were to to make sure their cards play nice together. I think that's a really, really cool thing. Yeah, we, um, yeah, a little bit more on that point. Um, I think uh, there's also sort of a, um, I would say, a perception in the community that uh, the the development between World Strike and Arcwave 1 um, had a lot of overlap. And to be honest, that was always sort of the ideal that we would work towards in the future. But the reality is is that uh, World Strike and uh, Arcwave 1 very mostly worked in isolation from one another. Um, it was just, I think, right at the end where World Strike's uh, development uh, uh, overlapped the end of uh, Arcwave 1's a bit. And I think when we heard about Bruticus, uh, we kind of wanted to show on in a team, we kind of wanted to show our support to them and say, hey, you know, there are other creators that are noticing your work and we want to, you know, sort of put a good foot forward and uh, show that, you know, we're willing to support what you're doing. And that kind of led to third party uh, brigade and shock blast, and uh, you know, just like yeah. Uh, once again, we kind of want to nip at the fringes of what's already been you know placed in the game. And so, um, when they came out the Combaticons, we were just like, you know, they, there's a little shockwave gun <laughs> that comes with the, the recent, most recent version of the Combaticons. Yeah, and we could also do a character like that and throw it in and just give them, you know, allow that card to be that character to be included in the Combaticons team at the cost of a penalty. And we thought that would be a good, nice, solid, balanced game design. And uh, that's the way it was received. So, uh, yeah, as soon as they found out about it, that's kind of what that's what started opening the door to a larger collaboration. Yeah, that's so fantastic. Um, I'm yet to try Bruticus with um, Shot Blast, and I cannot wait because I think I think what you did with both him and with Power Glide. Because when we reviewed Power Glide first, I'm like, oh, it's not he's like what what it's, it's what? Not as good as the first yeah, thing I was, I he, no, yeah, That's yeah. That's my honest opinion. Like, what is going on here? But obviously, we hadn't looked at the bigger picture no, because we, we were reviewing it blind, you know. And once I actually got my set, I was like, Lee Power Glide is really cool. And he could also go into a six wider superior team. Whoa. So, um, yeah, this is really cool. Really cool. And it's awesome to see that, that those doors are open and that you guys are looking to to do stuff in, in, in collaboration. I think that's fantastic. And that's, that's exactly what what the game needs to thrive. And it goes back to what you were saying earlier about like your discord and the community and just working in, in uh, cohesion with each other. We, we continue to collaborate very closely on a daily basis as far as like the product of our collaboration. Hopefully soon we'll be able to show a little bit more of our work, um, sort of the collision of our different designer perspectives and you know something that actually is playable on the, on the game table that officially comes from both the ARC and Bayformers. But yeah, we'll have news about that when we get to it. That's awesome to hear. I think I think that's a perfect segue to to talk about your tournaments, uh, Adam. Because obviously we've had Encounter One, which was 
the introduction of your cards with art cards and obviously wizard cards and stuff. And the new one that's going on right now, which is uh, open up the uh, open up the doors to use ATP. So it seems like you guys are kind of like us, like a baby Switzerland. We're full Switzerland. Maybe you're a baby Swiss <laughs> in a way. But it's kind of it, it's kind of cool to see like everyone embracing each other's content because that's what Dave and me do with this podcast and what we've done and made some hilarious shenanigans when it comes to. Uh, uh, combining uh, everyone's sets that we love and adore. But um, uh, how's the process been working with uh, other people and obviously the whole tournament aspect of uh, introducing your cards uh, to that kind of scene, should we say, for the Transformers? There's a lot around introducing the idea of crossplay to different uh, gameplay environments, different groups, as a as sort of the presentation of what the real world actually is. Um, where most people play the context of how people play. As far as the philosophy of, game, of Team Bayformers, we always believed in the kitchen table. That's where that's where gameplay happens. Um, and in reality, at the, at the kitchen table, people are going to be playing with the cards they enjoy playing with. They're not going to be looking at cards from a group perspective. You know, They're going to be looking at individual characters, individual battle cards, and stratagems they like, and they're going to be mixing them as much as they can. Um, I think that's the reality of play. Um, in the Transformers TCG and the, the one we want to cater to the most. Then we that, that was all, that's been our view from the beginning. Um, I don't believe that any particular creator group is an island. Um, in reality, people are just downloading the cards they want and have and playing the games they want with characters that they love. Um, even with our little strange little island over at Team Bayformers, we're making a bunch of characters that most people haven't heard of. <laughs> but you know, that's what we love to do. That's 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 our niche. That's the one we picked, and uh, yeah, we're thriving because of that. A lot of decision making we make as far as community relations and the, the the sort of events that we hold, based on that foundation. Where yeah, people are playing at kitchen tables. They're not worried about things like, uh, um, for lack of a better term, uh, you know, favoring other groups over others. You know, hopefully. Hopefully somebody sees a card that's uh, you know posted online and they go, oh my god, I love that character, or I really loved that uh, that series, uh, you know, the cartoon, that movie, whatever, that that particular uh, concept or character, object, thing, vegetable was uh, you know <laughs> presented. Um, that's the uh, that's the reality of play. Um, people are going to pick what they play and they're going to play what they love. And so yeah, crossplay is baked into Team Bayformers from the very beginning. Um, you know. Like I said, we were just talking about Third Party Brigade. You know, um, this was baked into our first product, the acknowledgement that other, uh, you know, other creator groups exist. Um, you mentioned a bunch of uh, of luminaries in our Discord uh, when we first started talking. You know, talking about people like Eddie Santos, uh, talking about Legendary Void. Um, you know, we all started talking, I believe, you know, in the Custom Cards channel in the main uh, Discord for TFTCG. You know, back in the day, you know, at, at one point. None of us had made cards, <laughs> at least in any sort of you know real way, um, you know before the game was uh, was canceled. And you know a lot of those early community roots were sort of forged in that channel. And that's why we all hang out, even though we have our own projects. And I think for the most part, like um, at least especially early on, uh, before anybody sort of knew where things were going before players actually got established. Like Eddie went and made his uh, his his set, you know, mostly, you know, mostly, you know, with his own energy and within his own team, but you know, we were still talking the whole time. He was asking for my feedback and, you know, just, you know, talking about ways to, you know, approach things and occasionally he'd step in for alpha testing the stuff that I was working on. Um, different levels of support are different for different uh, contexts of 
working conditions that each creator group is working in doesn't mean that you know might not even have a full collaboration like the arc and bayformers have but uh you know those support levels are still there we heavily support uh, um eddie's work even if you know there's no sort of formal um you know tournament scene per se that like includes bayformers cards or art cards or eddie's cards or even like you know wave x um the beast war set ATP, what have you, right? You know, we tend we tend to be very controlled when it comes to which encounters have which cards because we want to sort of be able to, you know, distinctly monitor the different interactions between two sets because two sets all by themselves have a lot of volatility. <laughs> you know, we need to be able to walk into those situations very mindfully. Um, but it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, we don't play out those cards on the regular, you know, especially in the casual league. We do have a casual league on the Discord where, you know, the point is not to win, have this awesome win record, it's to play games with each other and try stuff out and try different cards and not be so concerned about the win-loss percentage because metas have this very focusing effect um, where as the game continues to be marched towards being solved, the number, the, the amount of diversity in decks decreases over time. That's why new releases are critical because as the game continues to be solved, everything sort of creeps slowly towards heat death in a sense. You know, the, the universe of gameplay, you know, becomes more and more homogenized over time until suddenly everybody's playing Sky Shadow. You're dumb. You're dumb. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's new possibilities being presented to uh, players and designers at the same time is just good for the, the health of the game. And it shouldn't be competitive all the time. There's a place for jank, there's a place for the meta, and there's a place for crazy decks that'll fall on their face on game two. But that's kind of funny because there are people watching you play that game. They're having a good laugh about that as well. <laughs> um, but you know, there's that chance that when you play that miserable deck, you'll see something in a card that you didn't see before. Like, let's just like, you know, let's just take a card out, like pop a wheelie. God, what a worthless card, right? It's just, a, it's like you get to attack a second time with a motorcycle. I guarantee you that card will be more relevant in the future. And I wouldn't say that I personally uh, had a lot of experience with that card, but I have played against it occasionally and went, you know, there's something about this card that needs to be more, you know, needs to be surfaced a bit more in gameplay. No, it's, it's great. It's, I think it's really good to see, like, what you guys are all about. And it's straight up like what Dave and me are about right there. You, you guys are there for kitchen table. You want to have some fun. You want to, you know, there is the there is the time for the competitive play and there is the time for absolute jank. And I can tell you, it's great when you go play competitive games, don't get me wrong, and you see the same lists over and over again and you want to punch your opponent. But hey, you know, they're having fun. That's all that matters. But it's also that one time where you play that one guy who's like, what the heck is this all about? And it's like, well, if I get these three cards off, if I play a brainstorm, it's going to be incredible. And then you see it and then you go like, oh my God, that was incredible. And you can't help but smile from ear to ear. Like it is, it's just so good. Let me, let me tell you something, uh, going back to the point about playing Sky Shadow and, you know, I try and I try my best, you know, there's definitely, I would say my salt around seeing that on the other side of the table has definitely varied over time, depending on when I actually saw it. You're dumb. You're dumb. Nowadays, my salt levels are, you know, um, you know, some some weak lays, I guess, <laughs> but uh, you know, not like a, not like a uh, horse block, you know, where I'm just licking it just for the pure salt salt content. <laughs> but uh, um, 
I would say um, just to, just to give you an example of the way I approach it. So when I first when I first started playing Transformers TCG, the thing that uh, I saw immediately that got me into the game was bugs. I saw that bugs deck, and I was like, that 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 gameplay is cool. Like there's stuff going on there. It's it's so aggressive. It's so it's it's so unforgiving in its aggression. Uh, I definitely want to give that a spin when I first tra- first start playing the game. And so my first. My first, my first game of TFTCG in a friendly local game store was against Kevin Allen. Uh, you might know Kevin Allen for his cars deck and his high placement, um, I believe, in uh, Gen Con. And so he was the, you know, the big personality in our scene. And uh, you know, he, saw, he saw bugs across the table from him, and he basically, you know, he was just like... <laughs> <sighs> it's bugs, right? He's playing another Bugs deck, and he said he, he just straight up told me to my face that he hated playing Bugs. And I'm like, well, I'm just learning the game, so hopefully you can play a game or two, so, so I can learn a thing or two. And he, he, he sort of, he, 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 uh, he, he grit and bared it. <laughs> he just, uh, he got through the game, he, and he taught me some interesting things, and I started playing other decks. I soon discovered that I didn't like playing Orange. I like playing Blue more. And so, especially with new players that are attracted to new and powerful decks, um, I try to be very forgiving for that because, yeah, that was the experience that I went through when I first got started. So I've got one one cheeky last thing to to ask Adam. Do you have you have you got anything you want to ask Adam, Dave, or shall we finish it on this lovely thing before he can shoot loads of questions at us? And well, you know, just us. just sort of really talk about the Encounter series. Obviously, you've got Encounter Two started today as we're recording. You've you've started Encounter Two, so you you're doing that. That um, cross-platform um, ATP and Bayformers is, is legal, so it's going to be interesting to see what deck archetypes come out of that because there's some crazy powerful stuff on on their side, on the ATP side, and there's some crazy powerful stuff on yours. So it'd be really cool to see what comes out of that. So just give us a bit more of a lowdown of what what your tournament series is, what the prize support is, you know, cost to entry, how people enter your events because. Um, you know, it's crazy. Like, how how are these events happening? Like, we can't. But obviously, the internet allows us to, to play games with people from all over the world. So yeah, it gives a bit of a lowdown on, on the World Striking Counter series. Precisely. Yeah. Um. Really uh, excited to uh, bring the uh, World uh, World Strike Tournament series season one uh, to the community. And you know, it's a web it's a webcam tournament. So if you're able to play over webcam, then you can play with us. Uh, I played a lot in the Eye of the Matrix tournaments. Um, basically, Team PTSD from uh, from Southeast Asia they uh, have been hosting you know these global tournaments um, for some time now, and they're mostly focused on uh, Wave One through Five. But recently, they started doing uh, uh, you know different uh, creator group sets. They did one for ATP, they did one for the Arc, and now they're doing a World Strike one coming up soon. Um, but yeah, we we're actually taking quite a few notes from them as far as. The context of a you know worldwide uh, webcam tournament for Transformers TCG featuring World Strike as a foundation, and uh, yeah, as far as the tournament season is concerned, um, we have these five events uh, which will serve as the core of the main season, and um, basically we have it set up so that uh, for a particular encounter it'll have a theme. Um, encounters one, three, and five will be World Strike plus core only, and then. 
two and four will be um, well. Two is uh, ATP plus World Strike, and Encounter Four is Arc plus World Strike, and so each of those will have their own prize pools, their own um, ban lists. Um, basically, yeah, uh, exploring the uh, the boundaries of uh, of true crossplay. Um, I wouldn't say that we were the first tournament to actually do crossplay. I think the uh, the zero hour tournament that, that uh, Clone Killer did um, was technically one of the very first um, uh, crossplay tournaments where he mixed uh, his zero hour cards with uh, with ATP. Um, I do I do believe those two sets were uh, designed basically uh, to work with well with one another. At least as far as uh, the conversations I've had, that's what I picked up is that uh, zero hour was designed to work with ATP very closely. Um, but yeah, I. Th- uh, the term the encounter two uh is you know it's happening right now as we speak and so yeah we've got a record number of players in this one uh we have enough for a uh, top eight cut so i'm really pleased for that and um you know prize support um entry entry fee is free you know we just want people to come and play and we want to provide a little incentive for people to come and play so we do have some uh we do have some cash incentives and we do have some uh prize support including uh, play mats from world strike uh, i think you had mentioned the uh, uh the crash bash uh, mat from uh, um that was being offered to the champion of encounter one and yeah that seems to be have gotten a lot of uh positive feedback um you know, uh, one thing I don't think I went into too much detail is that uh, I actually work with a uh, illustration studio. I've long been an illustrator and a uh, a, a drawer of things. <laughs> um, work with lots of colorists and comic comics artists, and you know. Um, me working with Harvey wasn't entirely cold. Like uh, you know, we already had an existing relationship, and uh, you know, it's you know, as far as like being able to produce things, uh, as far as like prizes and card art, um, you know, that, that all comes very naturally for us. And we, you know, from day one, we wanted to make sure that we, you know, utilize that as much as possible for both our, you know, cards that we create and for prize support. So yeah, you can definitely expect more, uh, you know, cool things like. Uh, like play mats to be price support, you know, in the future, not just the one that we produced for season one, but also for things like who's going to win the season. Maybe they'll get a special uh, a play mat with, uh, you know, original art or something, uh, something that really sets them apart from the, the pack. Um, but yeah, um, I'm also, uh, like I said, a Transformers toy collector. So I'm actually in the middle of uh, uh, reducing my collection. And that actually worked out really well when it came to providing uh price support for season one because <laughs> i could just throw a bunch of you know sealed toys into the mix that i already had on hand so yeah the uh, tournament season one as well as each individual uh, encounter event does come with a number of prizes that are if you like toys you might get one that's cool because you, you also um you take donations don't you from the community to help fund because obviously um art like harvey's isn't f- free you know like it, no. <laughs> it, it's high quality stuff so so you know you have donations and that you know um i'd like to say i, I donated to to um you, you pull on that and that's that's all going into development isn't it art production of play mats and stuff like that which means that you're able to offer these really really cool prizes so that that's kind of key as well and i think that's been really well received by the community hasn't it? You, you've had an outpouring of donations yeah um it's been it's been pretty um very generous um i've definitely been blown away uh you know with the, some of the uh some of the donations we received and uh you know we're we're pretty lucky um as far as team, team bay forms is concerned we have a pretty sizable budget as far as you know what we can do um the things that we can do um right now you know just sort of give to you know a forecast because i think that it's useful for people that are actually don't donating to understand 
where sort of finances lay uh, for a particular community project. You know, um, anything that we produce, obviously, is nonprofit. We're not in this to you know um, pro- make any sort of profit at all. At the most, what we want to do is give artists enough money, you know, for their work, so that they, you know, they should get, you know, they should get paid for their work. So, you know, definitely artists that are working, you know, under us, they're looking to pay the rent. We're happy to help with that, obviously, because, yeah. you know, artistic work should be um, should be valued more than it is. Um, it's, it's sort of sad that uh, there are these like uh, Twitter accounts like Forexposure.txt, where we hear all these horror stories about uh, artists um, not getting paid for their work. And I think that's atrocious and, uh, you know, a complete travesty. And I don't like how devalued uh, the arts are uh, in, I guess, this, just this uh, generalized capitalist world. Um, you know, uh, they deserve, um, you know, recompense for their work as much as anything. And just like I said, I'm an artist too, so I'm a little bit closer to the community than somebody who doesn't do, uh, doesn't work in the community. But yeah, um, I think some of the, uh, you know, we, we want to do what we can um, to help them out. And that's why we ask, that's part of the reason why we ask for donations, because yeah, uh, the more donations we get, uh, the more art we can produce and the more art we can produce uh, the more artists are happy and will continue to uh, want to work with us um, it's basically basically a virtuous cycle there and yeah and then people are getting these awesome cards with original art that they've never seen before i think that's great um you know there's lots of original there are, there's lots of art on the on the internet and uh you know i we work with the limited resources we have in order to produce it there's just a lot of cases where we are doing characters that just don't have any art. So, you know, it's, well, Gilthor, for example, right? Uh, the Gilthor that we wanted to produce just didn't didn't have art that existed. So we, you know, we worked with Harvey to bring that to life and we we're happy to do so. But these things, you know, take effort and work and money and, uh, you know, the time, you know, the time to be able to work on these things. And, uh, yeah, these are all problems we're trying to solve. And we're more than pleased to receive donations from the community to help make that happen. Awesome source. Right. Um, I've got to get it. We've just got to. Uh, we've got to just get into it. So we've talked about characters. We've talked about the battle cards. We haven't really touched a <laughs> about the stratagems. Now the stratagems. Some are incredible. <laughs> there is. There's a few where I'm like, great. Right. Uh, is the the nuclear bomb warning it, coming it in is. again? And I, and I feel like I feel like there's one that is dumb. You're dumb. You're dumb. No, I'm kidding. It isn't that dumb. It's just, I think it's like we touched about uh, on it a little bit with all the cross-pollination and the mixing of other sets can make it a bit crazy. But um, when it came to the stratagem mm-hmm. design aspect of it then, Adam, were there certain characters you were like, this needs to happen, ding, ding, ding. This is a character that needs help. Uh, was there any that really stood out? And um, yeah, when it came to some of the design aspects, some of them are crazy awesome, I like it. And then there's some that have been... Should we say educational between David and me, almost be- becoming, uh, <laughs> you know, like fighting between like uh, Scotland and England back in the day, you know, quite quite close. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, your thoughts, mate? Oh, I've got plenty. So, uh, I-, I tend to be a bit of a troll, and you know, just my daily life, I tend to be the one that makes uh, makes does pranks. You know, I had I thought. You know, April Fool's Day is my favorite holiday of the year because I'm a terrible person. Um, <laughs> there might have been a, a bit of there might have been a bit of uh, holiday content on the Team Bay Forums page if you ever want to check it out. Um, some of the uh, some of the sad lost opportunities that we had exposure to for just one day only, um, <laughs> and and the products that related to it. Such I definitely recommend you check it out if you like pranks. Um, 
But uh, as far as like my approach to design, I think it definitely aligns with sort of my demeanor in that regard. Um, I definitely wanted to disrupt the the Wave 5 meta as it existed with most of my cards, right? So <clears throat> making cards like uh, making cards like Brace for Impact, right? Where you have a you have a character, Ramjet, who is much loved by the community and you you see the card and you see the potential in the card, but it doesn't really go anywhere because it doesn't have any abilities. You know, it has has f- phenomenal stats. Um, doesn't really do anything on its own, but people really just want to play Ramjet and you know, particularly that card because once again, amazing stat line. Um, you know, making a card like Brace for Impact, where it does more things when you have an armor or weapon on them. You know, it really aligns with whoa, this, this card that has, this vanilla card that has no, no real abilities um, is competitive. I know it's competitive because I play that card a lot in the Team Bayformers uh, tournament, and I know a lot of people that uh, see that card across the table and go, oh, um, we're, gonna have a, we're not going to have a good time. <laughs> you know? Um, that's generally my approach towards uh, most of the stratagems and characters I want to play. I just wanna, really want to shake things up and take characters that you know, didn't really have a chance before and give them a chance. When it came to cards like Promo Omega Supreme and The Last Line of Defense, I actually took a bit of the opposite approach, where I actually wanted to reinforce the meta, where I wanted to have a card that, out of the box, presented itself as very strong. Like, the Last Line of Defense stat boosts on there are pretty massive. Like, the, the cards, you know, the, the basically the base stats of Promo Omega Supreme, the 19 cards, it was very, un- very understated. Um, we wanted to bring it up to in line to what it should have been, at least in the Wave 5 meta. And then we wanted to pack on top of it just a bunch of awesome abilities that are clearly powerful, uh, especially when you combine them with sort of, a, as you know, the way that strat sort of presents itself. Um, the cards you want to include that deck are probably pretty obvious. You probably want to put um, Stuck on You in there. You probably want to put... Uh, Autobot Countdown in there. You probably want to put Ghost Shield in there. <laughs> you want to just want to do some really gross things with some really powerful cards and take a card which was formerly pathetic and that's now pretty intimidating across the table. Like it's 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 a big thing. But what a lot of uh, what I say players that are not as familiar with the card don't immediately realize is that the last line of defense um, actually suffers when you use cards that are popular in the Wave Five meta. Therefore. Um, lots of cards that were played a lot in that meta really take the gas out of it. You know, just cards that you see a lot in those meta decks. Um, Kamian Crash takes out Countdown. Spy Sat takes out Countdown. <laughs> so if you take out Countdown, that that uh, that deck uses that, that deck just loses a lot of steam because now you're not throwing you know damage here and there to and fro. It's a very powerful deck, and if you play it in a non-meta way, yeah, it's going to kick your butt. If you if you if it, if you play against it in the way that that deck wants you to play against it, yeah, you're not going to have a good time. But if you don't, it's kind of a, it's a bit of a Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall sort of situation, where if the wind De- blows definitely. a certain way, it'll fall over. And yeah. uh, I, I I particularly, I mean, I built a lot of cards in in World Strike that that demolished that you know just basically demolished that deck. Um, Crash Bash in particular. Um, so there were two. There were two uh, last line of defense decks in Encounter One. Um, both of them placed in the middle of the field. Um, I played against both of them, and uh, yeah, and there was definitely one. There was definitely one game, and this was not an isolated incident um, where I had ca- I had Crash Bash. Um, obviously, I was trying to get a countdown because that's how that's how you take the deck out. Um, 
I definitely pulled a, uh, a angle moss surge, uh, flipped over to uh, bot mode, swung into Omega Supreme, uh, did nine damage, got my trigger, moved nine damage over to countdown, and then the game was basically over at that point. Yeah. So one thing you can definitely be sure of: if Team Bay Farmers ever makes a powerful deck out of the box, you can be sure that there's going to be some sort of Achilles heel built in, and it's not going to be some sort of obscure um, Achilles heel like cornered. Or um, you know something that's just not generally played in the meta. It's going to have something that's you know relatively uh, present. So yeah, that's that's my promise, and I'm sticking to it. And hopefully, I don't uh, <laughs> disappoint anybody in the future. <laughs> I was going to say it was kind of an apology, but it wasn't. But it's good. It's good. No, it's what were you going to say, Dave? <laughs> I was going to say that's a really good point. Like that that deck, the the linchpin is is countdown, and if you can take him out, and I think. <sighs> You know, you look at he's talking about Crash Bash because he's arguably one of the most powerful cards in the set as well for what he does. And we did lament. You know, I get a bit triggered around six star headmasters. Um, so prior to actually putting Crash Bash on the board, I've had to print a second copy of Crash Bash because both of me and Claire really like it. So we have to play. <laughs> it's quite often we're both using him. So so we've got like a paper one and, and a, the really nice plush one that Mike Santino sorted out for for me. Um, this Crash Bash does have that inbuilt answer, and it's really good. That's, you know, that's a kind of like, you know, foresight, as it were. So, like, you know, Countdown could be really horrible if we don't kill him. Like you said, there are answers in, in, in the Wizards cards, but Crash Bash, it, like, you, you look at him, he's just really efficient anyway, because he's, he's effectively a, a six attack guy if you build your deck right. Yes. Um, yeah, but the, the other side of him, which. I don't think Claire's cotton on quite yet how powerful that is because it's like, oh, you got a brave guy. I'm just gonna, all right, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna circumvent that now by not KOing you and the damage doesn't go over here. So, um, yeah, you know, I think that's really cool. Like last line of defense for me, like I've played it a fair amount, and bearing in mind we do the whole like Wild West thing to some degree in our house where we like we build from everything. Like you definitely, I think. Um, when you do your, your crossover with the arc thing, you, and I know you guys are already on it because me and you've already talked about this, but there are certain cards from the arc that really make Omega Supreme very, very hard to kill. And I found Indeed. that when I, yeah. you know, I found that against them. And obviously, so. Yeah, and like you said earlier, you know, they developed independently of you. So, you know, the stuff like their HM laser cannon resilience, their triplating and stuff, like, it's just, it's just a beast. For me, like, I, when I got my promo Omega Supreme, I was like, yes, he's amazingly crap. <laughs> and to actually have him on the board kicking ass, like, Omega, like, let's face it, Omega Supremes shouldn't be rubbish. You know, Absolutely he's, not. He, he's nails. And he should be, he should be feared. So I think last line of defense really, really is fantastic from that aspect. But I do definitely think, you've already said, it's one of those top-end cards in the set. It is a top-tier card. But if you know how to beat it, it, it's not infallible. But I just think you have to bear it in mind, particularly listeners, if you're looking to play casually, I don't think Last Line of Defense is a casual card. I don't think it is. Um, but it you know, it needs to be done. He needs to be better. Much like he, the call, needs to be made for Metroplex, from Alpha Triumph Protocols. You know, the big boy needed help. He got it. And... Like you say, Lynchpin's countdown. Kill countdown, that damage movement becomes a lot slower. 
I, I, I like all of them. It's great. I think it's just I've. It's like you say, Dave. Like certain things, certain things trigger me, and I think he. It was. It was. It was one of those decks where it's just like I think when everyone has said you, you know, cross pollination of things can be a bit crazy. That deck definitely shows you, well, if you take the best cards from certain sets and also some other fun stuff that Wizards has done, it definitely shines. And it makes a turd incredibly great. Like, it was amazing. <laughs> it, it polishes it. It polishes it, yeah, it nicely. It was a ruddy good turd <laughs> after that. <laughs> it's, a bit like, it's a bit like polishing a diamond, right? Where you, you add just enough pressure and just enough you know just enough a buff uh, to make that you know make those uh, make that thing really shine but then you add a bunch of other buffs on top of it and suddenly you're dealing with a broken crystal so yeah it's 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 like that you know in order to you know the, i would say card design in general even when you're dealing with like an isolated set of cards like your own cards you try, you're you're pushing and pulling to the point where it, it's optimized for your experience, at least in the tournament format, you know, we try our best to, you know, obviously limit those because we want to have nice, good, engaging, competitive gameplay. But we don't want to, um, you know, there are definitely people, I would say, in the tournament scene that are definitely biased for various reasons against certain cards. And I, you know, I've definitely seen where people make decisions where they ban, put certain cards on ban list just because they just don't like them. And I think that's fine, but I think you're probably going to. Um, be able to justify it a bit better than players if you actually have a decent reason to sort of back it up. Like there was a lot of there was a lot of buzz on the Bayformers server before Encounter Two about basically the impact of a couple of different ATP stratagems, notably um, Unbreachable and uh, High Speed Chase. Um, those two were seen as you know very sort of high octane cards, uh, high you know high potential, high value uh, cards, and uh, you know just people were forecasting that, oh, that might lead to some very NPE experience, you know, NPE, you know, non-negative player experiences uh, in the tournament. And we actually, you know, we sort of slowed down and we we, we just put a lot of thought and playtesting and work into it and, you know, really, you know, talked to people in ATP about it and, uh, you know, got some opinions. And, uh, you know, we, we actually, we were in different places for both those cards where we were just like, well, maybe we'll just allow both and see how things play out in the tournament scene and then we've kind of flipped over to the other side we're like well maybe we'll just ban them both um for different reasons and then we arrived at the point where we put unbreachable on the ban list for encounter two and we left uh high speed chase after a flurry of uh minasaur test games uh, where we looked at the results and said you know what i think we can let it go let it go let it go you learn as well don't you by results as well so you, you, you're gonna have a better idea after this event what 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 needs to be looked at in future what what's you know much much like they've done with you know they've been very hot on banning so cars you know recently they banned mission briefing didn't they so yeah um, you know which is really really cool to see that they're, they're examining stuff and that's something that you guys are, I know you're gonna take on board as well so that's that's cool yeah, there's a process for it, and we try to be um, as fair-minded and as unbiased as we possibly can without completely throwing out the notion that we should, probably should be biased about some things just because that's just the way that decisions are made. Um, you know, um, if you're, I think I should, I think if a decision point is reached where a particular creator group needs to make a decision about which crossplay cards to include in their event, they should probably favor their own cards <laughs> you know their own solutions that they came up with i think they yeah, deserve that absolutely that's it and you know we're still not 12 months into 
the the community created content being played as well so like it, it's still early days for for a lot lot of content creators and and how stuff's going to interact at tournament level you know um so yeah i i like it i like the fact that you're you're encouraging it i think it's a learning process for everybody you know ultimately when you sit down at a tournament like i don't play a lot of transformers tournaments but i have played a lot of x-wing and i played a lot of magic the gathering and there's nothing worse than sitting down against like the deck that everyone hates playing against and it's just like oh really yep. um and and you know that's something that obviously we can identify as time goes on because i know we're in it for the long haul i know you are adam and i know atp are and the art you know we're all in, in it for the long haul and we want this game to survive many many years beyond it and particularly when you're um trying to build a tournament scene you want it to not be negative for people because you don't want it to be a sky shadow scepter like every single like top eight. Oh, look, there's four <laughs> of them. You know, you don't. You know, and I've I've seen it in other card games. Like the, there was the summer of Jace the Mind Sculptor in Magic the Gathering, which um, was just vile. Like no one wants to go to any like you know qualifiers. And if you did, <laughs> you you either played him or you played it out. They could beat him. And it's like you know when something becomes that warping, you just yeah. it, it it can be really negative. So it's really cool that you're looking at how you can curate your formats as well and i like the fact you're flitting between lots of different community groups as well you're like okay we're going to cross over this one then we're going to have our own one and stuff that's fantastic really really cool to see i try to lift up the community as a whole and uh there are you know interesting details in such an endeavor but uh, for the most part um that's going to be my goal as and the team you know agrees with me in that regard um we should try our best to be one community it's not always possible and conditions may exist to, uh, you know, sort of not make that happen, but uh, it's an ideal, and I think that's a good one to continue to drive towards. So, Lee, what's up next? What are we going to do next? We've talked about creation and that. Oh, are we ready for the quick-fire questions? I think so. I think it's time for, for Adam to unload his revolver into us, I feel. Like, we've, we've just like got an <laughs> M80 and just, like, completely drained our saw and just... We've run out of bullets. We need to reload. So, uh, Adam, is there anything you want to ask Dave and me before we uh, we get into some of the viewer questions? Yeah, I want to I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about executioners in particular first. Um, so, uh, before I preface my question, I just want to say that uh, Marvel UK in particular was also a huge uh, inspiration in uh, World Strike development. And uh, one of the um, one of the sagas in uh, Marvel UK was a story called uh, Space Pirates, where there was a um, Basically, there's a Quintesson invasion, and uh, there's this one general uh, named Gyrick who uh, uh, basically invaded uh, Cybertron to try to take the Matrix away from Rodimus. And uh, it was basically one of these sort of fights where Rodimus is really built up as this powerhouse guy that, you know, even though he was a little unsure of himself, you know, like, oh, I, I accidentally killed Optimus, where, but, uh, um, you know, he's built up as this guy who has the Matrix and is pretty powerful, but this executioner from the Quintessons comes and just destroys him and steals the Matrix from him while he's carrying the Matrix and basically outsmarts, outsmarts uh, Rodimus and RC at the same time, you know? And uh, I was listening to uh, some previous uh, podcast. I think you were calling him the guy that pulls the lever. <laughs> the lever guy. Lever guy. They're actually lever guy. They're, they're actually they're actually two different characters, but they they're the same type of Kunisan. So uh, what I wanted to ask you is why you why do you hate Executioner so much? <laughs> we don't. We just think he's got the best job ever. He just pulls a lever because that's all we saw in the movie. That's what we assumed it was because it was like obviously that's the most iconic thing when. Obviously, you've we've we've seen the original artwork. It's on the spotlight, 
uh, but obviously when you've blown that up that's from the film so the only thing for for us casuals or anyone who hasn't read the uk <laughs> comics or any comics the first thing we immediately go is like right leave a guy tentacle bloke <laughs> leave a grimlock's guy. gonna show yeah. up let's have a demolition derby let's just punch the shartacon's teeth out you know and like just enough is gonna you know just all the music everything about the movie just screams that but it's just yeah lever guy because that's all he does he does nothing else except <laughs> pulls a lever and then he's just like oh poor guy he just dies never mind so that's all he does on a day-to-day basis <laughs> just to just put a, a little little ribbon on that at the end um and a bit of a spoiler um so we were we were definitely interested in doing more uh executioner type of quintessence in the future uh we just decided to start with uh Gyric because he was just this powerhouse guy that we wanted to feature but um we definitely also want to do the lever puller guy so uh um, um, and uh, I would say that your discussions of the uh, character might have some impact on the final form of that figure, so stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> What's the character called? Leave a guy. <laughs> yeah. Just to ask you an actually real question here. Um, you know, you guys have obviously spent a lot of time and resources and uh, effort just to cover the uh, Transformers TCG community. Um, you know, is, there's definitely a certain perspective from the creator side that tends to be a bit, um, I wouldn't call it necessarily self-serving, but we do think a lot about our, you know, our work um, primarily just because it, that, it takes a huge investment. Um, you know, sort of from the outside, seeing all these creators work, um, and also at the same time, um, being exposed to sort of the scene in the community, especially right after, um, you know, the game the game was canceled by Hasbro and some of the some of the fireworks that happened in the uh, in the, the fan community afterwards. Sort of how do you how do you see the uh, future of the game sort of shaping up um, where it comes to the you know sort of the player base that's still engaged, the sort of COVID environment where everybody's mostly playing online, um, having to print out cards rather than or use something like Tabletop Simulator in order to play, and you know the, the, the proliferation of custom card content. Where do you see things going with the uh, game You know, for the next year or so? Dave, do you want to go or do you want me to go? You go, man, you go. I, I think the game is... It's inspired people to have a creative outlet, I think, especially in a time where we, all of us, have struggled, not just like businesses and whatever just uh, uh, just mental health has been such a key issue for a lot of people and like while this is happening it hit us all hard when this game cancelled like you know covid was just about to happen and then all of a sudden you take away everyone's love for this game like couldn't have timed it worse if you ask me um <laughs> but I feel like it's just inspired a lot of people to get out of their comfort zone and create some fun stuff. And uh, I, f- I feel like, yeah, there was some fireworks at the beginning because I felt, I felt like, and I'll be very honest in this, this little bit here, I feel like everyone wanted to be the savior of the game. But that shows me that there's a ton of passion from people uh, in the community that wanted to do that. And it's great to see that people we we as Dave and me call it we are switzerland so we love everyone but Dave and me also kind of see it as there's is we we hilariously call it factions because i always think it of wrestling all the time like we've got we've got people from uh, who are doing atp we have the arc we have you know you guys as a, as a faction i would say and it's and it's good to see that people are 
are trying out the cards, but there are people in the community that have said, and we had Christian on actually as well, who said he likes some of the card designs, but because of his competitive nature, he will always play ATP. He likes what the ARC are doing, he likes what other people are doing, but that's the set for him. And I think that's the best thing about the fan-created content is you can pick and choose what you want to play with. Dave and me are just gluttons for punishment, and we just love to play everything. And it's just great to see that people have kind of like embraced us in open arms and said like, right, can you review our sets? Um, can you talk about us? Can we get on to the podcast? We'd love to talk to you guys. And we've kind of been a, like a bit of a, a blessing, if you will, because we, we wanted to just bring this back as a voice for the community to basically keep the, the fire going, if you will. Uh, because, you know, it's as people were still playing the game before people were like, we're going to create cards, we're going to do this, we're going to still do hangouts and stuff. And to see where it was at the beginning of COVID, where we weren't so sure what was going on, to see like pretty much like what it is now, where we're several fan sets in, there's a like, you know, there's so much stuff out there. And there's, and there's sets that Dave and me haven't even touched on yet. And like, we've got a hilarious back catalogue. Uh, of stuff we need to talk to and people we need to interview and stuff but at the end of the day we're just two geezers who have way too much free time to talk about a card game about robots you know <laughs> that was so british two it two geezers so in it two geezers mate in it, in it, it bravna in it bravna yeah yeah but it is but it is, it is true <laughs> we absolutely love like what the community is doing i've i fully embraced the stuff that hasbro never even thought of like we talked we talked about it a little bit in this episode like the unicron raid was phenomenal like brian has done the predacon solo mode holy like guys if you have not played that i recommend going and finding it because i've still not beaten it and i've taken some horrible shit lists to go you know what i'm gonna go and try and kick the predacons teeth in nope they still kick my teeth in and i'm like what is going on here it doesn't make sense but it's great to see different aspects of the game that uh, people want to explore and do phenomenal like honestly when, when everyone was like, oh, we're going to create cards, and the first, I could be honest, when someone said, we're going to do a Unicron raid, the first thing that came to everyone's mind is, WTF, how are you going to do Unicron? This guy pretty much destroyed Cybertron at one point. Like, in the movie, this guy basically goes, tries to make a pancake. Come on, seriously, guys, how, how can you make him balanced? But then when you play it, you're like, this feels so themed. This feels so right. And, like, the only way to play that is also themed decks, guys. You need to play Dinobots. You need to play, you know, like, Hot Rod and RC and all the fun stuff. You can take the competitive decks and all that stuff, but that's boring. You know, it's not fun. Play theme. It's always more fun. Um, but I, I just feel like it's going from strength to strength. And, and I think that shows as well with the competitive nature of the game. Like, how many people are playing in tournaments? Like, how many people are going out their way to, to still keep this game alive by creating cards, running tournaments hanging out you know it's just great and i think it's just going to go from strength to strength and like it's not just it's not just you guys at bay formats it's like everyone like you know every obviously there's certain sets that will obviously stand out because they're like oh it's, you know this is such a big undertaking but it's just the little guys as well which dave and me will say we're not big fans of beast wars, beast wars. yes there's that clip i had to get it in on this episode but randy's set of beast wars was phenomenal like, that show is just an acid trip. I can tell you now, if you watch it, you, I don't know what's going on half the time, but that set is a ton of fun to play. 
and it's just cool to see people be have a creative outlet. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes in the future because, you know, we are the one and only. I am the one and only. That's right. Podcast that does want to champion this game and uh, will be around for a long time uh, when the dust settles, probably, when uh, everyone's... Because I know some people are making sets and then taking a seat back and I know people will constantly make reviews uh, and make sets even, sorry, but... I think it's fun that people are having that creative outlet, and I think it's really, really cool. So, enough said. There's my rant. I'm off my soapbox. Dave, you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was great. I think where where the game's going. Ironically, I think the cancellation of the game was possibly the best thing that could happen. Now, in retrospect, we're what seven months, eight months on. What I've seen is a community rally and say, nope, we're not done. Um, we're seeing characters that we wish Wizards made being brought to life. We're seeing high quality sets coming out there. You know, um, the amount of undertaking for World Strike alone, it boggles me how you guys brought that to life. Um, I think the game's in a really good place. Where I see it going, I think for the time being, I think local community bases are going to be fractured. I don't think you're going to see the levels of attendance when game stores are finally able to open, if they reopen. You know, I know a lot of businesses have had to unfortunately close due to this pandemic. I think you're going to see the future is online and all, all the fan sets are free to print and play. So... Um, We'll put some links in, in the description, won't we, Lee, for, for the links for yeah. the Bayformer set. Because um, it's all free to download, free to print. Um, but I think, you know, where I see it going, I think, yes, the future of the game is online. I've been trying to to encourage my, my friends that play Transformers to get online and come and play with us on a Thursday. We play most Thursdays um, online. But also, you, like I said earlier, the Bayformers community is very active. The TTS mod, Adam, isn't it? It's fantastic. Yeah. You know, the what, what's been put on there, because previously I think Octagon was used a fair amount, but what Veryl's done for, a big shout out to Veryl actually, for all the work he puts in um, to the TTS mod, um, it, there, there's everything on there, like every fan set, even my my all arts that I made to save me money from buying multiple playsets of Peace Through Tyranny um, is on there. You know, Veryl's done a fantastic job. Um, some massive shout outs to him. So yeah, I, I just see it going online, um, and the community has been so welcoming to to myself. And that, and I, you know, when I said it, it, it seems better than it was before. I'm now playing Transformers with people from all around the world, from Florida, Canada. Um, you can play with people from Asia, all over Europe, um, all over my own country. You know, me and Lee, me and Lee, although we're we have met in real life. We don't live near each other, do we, mate? We we live like a few hundred miles apart. True. So it's like it's like uh, for for you guys in the states, it's kind of like Frodo going from the Shire to Mort. No, it's not that far, but <laughs> it's, 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 it's a nice three hour journey. You know, that's what it is, pretty much. Almost. Nothing's ever that long. Uh, <laughs> it's the longest walk ever. <laughs> but no, I think that's where I see the future. Like online. Um, with some really really good teams pumping out some fantastic content. From where I see it, the the people that want to play this game are not going to let it die. Bingo. I think you nailed it. 
Have you got any, any, any other questions, Adam, before we move on to the questions from the, com the community? Uh, I just have one. Um, as a collector, I was a collector before I started playing cards, so do you have any toys? I, I've got a couple. I've got a couple. I, I, I had loads as a kid. Actually, the other day, it was really, really funny. We were going through some old photographs. Lee, I'm going to send it to you so you can actually put this up. There's a picture of me with a really, really dumb childhood grin on his face. I'm sat in the front, front garden or yard, whatever you want to call it, playing with my Transformers in... It's around 1986-87 because there's Rodimus priming Magnus in the shot. Um, so I used to have a lot. I have two really young children. We don't have a very big apartment, so I don't have a lot of space for toys. I would dearly love to, you know. Claire knows what I'm like. She knows if I started, I'd end up with everything. Um, and that way, madness lies. I've got a Kingdom Core Optimus Prime, and I've got the Combiner War Shockwave that was bought for me as a gift. They're kind of like my little, little nerdy part of my bedroom that I'm allowed to have, a little corner. Um, so I don't have a, I don't have a huge collection. I'd like a huge collection, but I don't. Instead, I have every single official Wizards card because um, <laughs> I hate money. Cool. Clearly, uh, we have a lot of affection <laughs> in Team Bay Formers for Combiner Wars Shockwave. So uh, yeah, I feel you there. For myself, I I still have a few of my original toys. So I'm looking at my original Hot Rod that's on my Mini Mac in front of me. Um, I've got a Skywarp somewhere, which I think is an original Skywarp. I got it at a car boot and was like, holy shit, this is a Skywarp. I need to own this. And the guy was like, yeah, it's a couple of quid. I was like, yep. So I just rifled through the bin for all the parts and got everything. So I was like, this is amazing. Um, obviously, with the new toy line, it's uh, pretty amazing. Like, uh, my um, shout out to my good friend Dave Mann, who's probably going to listen to the show. He He's a huge avid toy collector like of the Transformers. Um, he Before lockdown happened, he bought me the new Scorponok round, and immediately I went like, holy shit, I need to own this at some point. So, I'm currently saving up for a house. So, um, my idea is I want that Scorponok to hold, like, my computer controllers or TV remotes because that thing is just incredible. Like, if you haven't played it, it's the size of a small toddler, guys. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's insane. It's the size of Dave, one of Dave's children. It, 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 it literally is. It's like the size of a one-year-old. It's absolutely mad, Dave. Um, but no, uh, I think my most my favourite things I've ever got was um, thanks to my mum and my stepdad, actually. Um, uh, when they both retired, they went to a lot of antique um, auctions, if you will. And there was a ginormous geek one they went to. And it, luckily enough, I had the day off, thank God. And they said, go to this website. There's loads of Transformers on there. And um, I literally, my jaw dropped. I, I think for about £200, uh, I got a steal. I got a Combiner's War Devastator, a Combiner's Wars Predaking, which did miss its feet, but I got them, I'm going to get them 3D printed so he can actually have feet. Because at the moment, he's... Uh, He's got no feet, so it's really funny seeing him stumble around. Um, but then I got the two original... Um, I think they're called Masterclasses when they have deluxe, really deluxe looks figures. And it's the first one of Prime and Megatron as well. And it all came to like 200 quid. So I don't know how much that is for US. But um, the Prime is lush and so is the Megatron. And as soon as I have get my own place, I know they're going to sit on my nice... I'm literally going to have a Transformers... 
um, shelf. Shrine. Cause, yeah, because I've got like all the most of the comics. Because I'm because growing up as a kid, I I got all the Dreamwave, most of the IDW. When yeah, like I've I go I go back a, a way way with comics, but um, I went through a phase of just getting so many comics, and then I went away. And then Dreamwave, before they went bust, um, they obviously had a really phenomenal run with so many cool reiterations. I think War Within was one of my favorite iterations of Transformers because it was just a different look. Like Grimlock looked badass in that like whole saga. Um, I think I got like an art print somewhere in in my storage unit of that as well when I went to uh, California and I saw it in a comic book store and I was like, I need to own this and I need to buy a cardboard box that or tube and basically take it back with me uh, to the UK because yes I will pay extra shipping for it because I need this in my life um, that's that's my that's my collection so far but yeah I want a Scorponok so maybe maybe I just have to do a fundraiser uh, for this podcast so people could get me a Scorponok that'd be great hold the mixer and stuff but yeah there's so <laughs> it's just there's so much good stuff like my friend D's really go fund me yeah go fund me for Scorponok yeah. but there's there's some there's some really cool statues and stuff that people have shown me there was a really awesome one of a bludgeon recently that my friend showed me and I was like I do not have 300 pounds but if I did that would go in my living room because that just is incredible but i feel like that's a slippery slope isn't it i only got i'm only gonna get one of my favorite characters 20 uh, other models later you're like you know what i think no i I just gotta get all of them and i feel like that's it with the the card game as well like that's what you went with dave weren't it you had to polish off all your cards i'm not gonna spend money on windsweeper and i'm not gonna spend money on octane or octone i'm a filthy casual so i print those bad boys off it's fine (laughs) (laughs) piracy is a crime dude it's not it's it's a dead game it's a dead game it's not like it's fine I love it. Uh, that just reminds me of that old uh, VHS, like, piracy is a crime. You wouldn't steal a handbag. Yeah, you wouldn't steal a handbag. <laughs> you wouldn't steal, like, someone's... Oh, what was it? It's just so many random bits. Here's, it's all, it's coming you wouldn't on steal the, a car. Yeah, it's coming on the screen right now, all the that hilarious, with that retro cool music. I, I just hate money, so I had to. I had to. I had to finish it off. I, hate money. I had to. I had to. The thing is, is I, 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 I got really good price on a lot of those SRTs. Once again, we've got canned, like cards that were like a hundred bucks. I got for a lot cheaper, like a third of their value. So I, I finished off mine for a reasonable price. Isn't that the beautiful thing about uh, this, like conceit around super rare cards in fan sets, where it's like, is it? It's not really rare because. I just printed out all the cards in the in a custom card set, but uh, this one is marked as super rare, and its stats are a little bit better <laughs> than everybody, all the other cards in the set. So it's kind of like it's a super rare, <laughs> but it's. I just think it's kind of funny how you know rarity is sort of a trick we play upon ourselves, <laughs> you know, in this new in this new format, um, where it's not really you don't really have any more trouble getting that card than any other card you print out. But uh, it says SRT or it says ct <laughs> so yeah Any, anything else adam before we move on to um the questions i think the questions uh, deserve their time so let's get to it cool cool so this one's from hunter keelman i believe Hi, you know Kenner. this man <laughs> <laughs> his first question is what's your favorite fast food place very relevant that is very relevant because i think i'm made out of fast food in mountain dew um yeah if you just basically point at a pile of fast food in mountain dew on a shelf i'm like hey hey who took a picture of me um 
but uh, yeah, fast food. I've I've had I've been on a Taco Bell kick. I think that's mostly uh, out of a mix of uh, self loathing and actual interest. Like it's somewhat ironic that I'm into them. Uh, but uh, um, yeah, I've been eating I've been eating lots of uh, uh, quesadillas and uh, burritos. We actually this, it's funny that I'm into it at all because we have some fantastic taquerias in California. Like you know some of the some of the best. Um, um, I guess, you know, I don't think we should call it Americanized Mexican food uh, because you definitely can't get a burrito as good as you can in California. Then I mean, California burritos are superior to Mexican burritos by by a long shot, in, in my estimation. Uh, just the confluence of different cultures and communities bringing a burrito, like a super burrito, like an actual California super burrito is sublime. It's absolutely fantastic. But I still love really crappy fast food Mexican food. And yeah, I... Uh, I think Taco Bell is my current favorite, although I think I'm finally sick of them, so I need to move on to another one. Dave, when you have gone to the States then, what's what would you you say was your favorite fast food place that you went to? Oh, there's two. There's two. And I I, I went to California twice in, in quick succession. Uh, one was the, the turn of the uh, century, the, you know, millennium. Went out there with my, my parents, and then I went back for my 30th birthday with Claire and some friends that grew up in California and they went back there to visit friends. So we, we spent, we, we ate quite a lot of burgers, but I have to say my favorite burger whilst I was in California was probably In-N-Out, followed by, followed by the ultimate cheeseburger from Jack in the Box. <laughs> Those are quality choices. <laughs> yeah, they were good. What about you, dude? Because you spent some time in America. Shake, shit, shake, Shack is the shit. Like, seriously, I, ah, yes. I will fight you. Good choice. I will fight you if you think Shake Shack <laughs> is shit. I will fight you right now. I'll jump across on a plane, get, be in quarantine for two weeks and then fight you and then get on the plane and be in two weeks again just to say I'm satisfied. <laughs> no, uh, I, I also quit. I love I love Dairy Queen. Like, there's no better feeling like just going out skating all day and then going, oh, it's like one in the morning. What do you fancy? Dairy Queen? Yeah, that sounds good. Like, it's just Dairy Queen's like legit, like amazing. But I'm I, I'm partial to Wendy's as well. Like someone someone told me I had to try a baconator, and I'm pretty positive that shaved seven years off my life. So it's <laughs> <laughs> as bad as a kebab over here, Dave. Yeah, yeah, totally. I don't know. I can't totally. like kebabs. Like you, you haven't lived until you've had a doner kebab at three a.m. Yeah, the elephant leg, night. as my American <laughs> friends knows it. They go, oh, I'll have one of those elephant leg things. You mean a kebab, mate? <laughs> no, I was gonna say my favorite. I think I think my favorite food in uh, in uh, the UK is probably either bangers and mash or um, Indian food. Like I think those are my two big choices. Banger, bangers and mash is good choice. Good choice. You need to have toad in the fish, hole. Fish you and chips. Come here. You yeah. have to have to- toad in the hole, mate. Toad in the hole will change your life. Yeah, toad in the hole that, that's good. I'll check it out. Yeah, but for, for us, one of our staples here in England is fish and chips. Like Friday night fish and chips. Oh yes, yeah. It has to be fish and yeah, chips but... by the sea because it's fresher, and it's a guarantee. Well, I live by the sea. What a what a shame. And it was phenomenal. <laughs> it was phenomenal when I had fish and chips around your area, Dave. Do you I put, was like, oh my god. Do you god. put lemon or do you put vinegar? Do you put vinegar, vinegar or lemon on the oh, uh, vinegar on the, uh, on the fish and chips? If if we're in a restaurant, it'll be a little dash of lemon. But if it's down the chippy, we oh. have vinegar, salt and vinegar, please. Salt and vinegar. Yeah, lot of it. Okay. Ready, good. good time. Good. Good. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I was doing it correctly. Fine, mate. Yeah, you are. Vi- 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 you know, depend- <laughs> put it all on. Um, right, moving on. Uh, it's another question from Hunter. <laughs> 
your favorite and least favorite card from BFA? I'm going to try to give a different answer than I gave before because, I, you know, like I said, I think I have different reasons for liking Gilthor than other cards, but uh, I wouldn't say that Gilthor is necessarily my favorite card. Um, I think my current favorite this week is a uh, secret action called Reroute Enemy Vectors. It's a, it's a no-pip secret action, and it's revealed at the beginning of the turn, of the opponent's turn. So basically what you do is you play it during your turn, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the opponent's turn starts, and you flip it over immediately. And what it, allow, what it allows you to do is you name a you name one of your characters on your team, and you name an enemy character on their team. And if the enemy character attacks that named character on your team, you take half damage rounded down from that attack. Um, the reason why I really enjoy that card is because it's a secret action that plays in a way that really no other secret action has in the game at all. What it does is it, at least in my mind, in the way at least to the reception that I've gotten from uh, the uh, alpha testing and beta testing community, is that really what it does is it sets up mind games. Um, it really gives you the opportunity to mess with the other opponent with their sort of set-out strategy. Um, for example, um, the deck that I played a lot in uh, Wave 4 was sort of like a Flame War, uh, like Skydive, uh, like Optimus Prime deck, where you probably have a pretty good idea how that's going to go down. Um, you're probably going to go with Skydive first, maybe Flame more next, and then swing it with Optimus once you've had a chance to uh, you know, throw some cards on him. Um, this sort of play order is very predictable, and it's effective, but there's not really a lot of tools as to you know, sort of influence the way that uh, you know, basically that sequencing goes down. And so that's one reason I really like Reroute, because, yeah, maybe it's a situation where most of the characters have already, have already swung in for attack and it's only two characters left on both on each side you know one one you know, maybe the optimist on the opponent's side and maybe your i don't know rc somebody relatively fragile on your side because of you know maybe you made a mistake or whatever maybe just optimized to play heavier cards in the beginning rather than at the end um but uh you know where the choice is the value is really obvious there's only one choice Optimus is going to swing in for half damage no matter what he does unless he finds some way to untap and somebody else to attack. But there's another aspect to playing that card where maybe um, you play it where the choice is a little bit more open. And it's basically up to the opponent to figure out why you made that choice and whether or not you actually decide to go with the choice that the opponent gives you or an alternative and sort of to figure out the reasons why um, that, that choice is, you know, why that why that presentation was made and i think that leads to very interesting gameplay it leads to gambits and mis, you know misdirection and uh i think it's safe to say that there will be future secret actions that uh um play that way uh that play with the opponent's decision making that's my current favorite card that's, that's it's, it's a really really cool card i think anything that changes like combat math as well like getting there just surprises as well i think it's a really really cool thing i think another another cool one is turnabouts now for me i think turnabouts yeah. now <laughs> and i know you've recently uh, you've recently done dropped a 1.1 update haven't you as well for some of the cards yeah if um operationally the card doesn't act any differently than it did before it was basically a situation we wanted to ensure that uh, all situations are covered as far as the interpretation of turnabout snare um 
you know, operationally, it's still a swap. It's just a little bit more clear as to what it means when these sort of edge cases pop up, like um, OPBL being able to play stat pumps on flip. Um, are those still valid, or do those suddenly become reversed as well? And the answer is the way that the current 1.1 is worded, um, OPBLs, let's, let's say, for example, playing a leap of battle would still actually add three plus attack. It wouldn't turn into plus three defense. It actually does yeah. help uh, OPBL attack. So it's a bit like a timestamp for, for MTG, for those MTG players out there. It's a bit like timestamp time order. Exactly. It's, a, it's whatever happens at that moment in time. The worst card, I should, I, I should probably fit, uh, state what that is, uh, the card I like the least in BFA. I don't know, they're all my children, so basically what I'm going to say is like, well, I don't like this son. He's, he hasn't really uh, <laughs> fulfilled my expectations of what a good child should be. <laughs> but uh, if I had to pick one, um, let me think. Uh, I, I, I kind of hate exhaust for a lot of different reasons, but it's not because of the actual card itself. It's more of the process in which I got to it. Like, I have some real trauma there, man. <laughs> There's some real, there is some real pain there. Like, yeah, I, there, that was not literal self-flagellation, but yeah, I, I feel I feel the pain. I feel the pain of the scars. <laughs> Um, but I, I, to be honest, I really love that card. That was, it was just a journey through fire to get to uh, its final form. Um, yeah, I would say I wouldn't say I have any cards I hate yet. Um, I think there are cards that probably their potential is yet to be um, completely understood. I think a new, I think a card that I had a little bit of res, I wouldn't say resentment, but I was kind of worried about where it was going was uh, General Gyric. Uh, General Gyric is now getting some attention, and I'm really happy about that. For, but for a long time, I think uh, I was a little puzzled to myself as far as like oh, people aren't really playing this card. I wonder if they see what's what's going on with him. And then uh, now it's starting to get a little more attention, and uh, I'm happy to see that. The penny has dropped, and people are starting to wake up. He's really cool, Gyric. I think he's he's he's. I think him and Drebsnik are probably my, next on my list to kind of like explore within the Quintesson faction. Because I've kind of done Gilthor, I've done the Judges, and I want to try and explore all of it, so that's cool. Gyrick in particular is very, very unforgiving towards uh, YF teens, just because that that understated first line is honestly very brutal against it. Um, it actually plays really well against uh, Sturdy decks, um, in particular, if we're going to talk about crossplay. It does have a, a, an offset effect against a, uh, you know, a team that goes wide and maybe has a couple of Sturdy characters. It's, it's sort of like, well, it doesn't really matter because if you're Sturdy because I just took one health off you just by existing. Yeah, yeah. That's a really, really cool, powerful effect. Lee, what, what, what are your favorite cards from, or your favorite card I feel, from I feel set? like because I've used it recently in a, in a, in a fun challenge that... Um, we're kind of eventually hopefully bringing back um in our play groups on thursdays uh, we've been doing a, a little bit of deck tech challenges between all of us and um i was given uh matt forgive me the ch opportunity to go hey try make bombshell two wave two work lee we know you love that guy uh open agenda was an auto include in that deck and it did work and I killed multiple things, and that thing, that deck is undefeated at the moment, and it hopefully will retire undefeated because that deck is just—I don't know. I feel like in the test group when they saw it, they're just like, "That is effing stupid." How much card draw is in that deck? I was like, "I know, I can almost kill a combiner. This is great. It's stupid. It's it's, <laughs> but it's good. Uh, I I really like that card." Um, I feel like I haven't really had the opportunity to play a lot of the characters, but I really want to play the Shark to Cons after seeing Dave's build of how fun they were. Like, it's like, 
I want to I want to mix it up a little bit and just add some of the Merc stuff in there as well to to really try some some different Shartacon shenanigans out. Our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean his shenanigans are cruel and tragic, which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. But yeah, I I, I can't really say I. Well, there is one stratagem I'm not a big fan of, and it gives me a bit. Now I'm flashback. You're dumb. You're dumb. <laughs> but but um, I can't really say I don't really have like a, an unfavorite card at the moment because I haven't really played a lot of it. Um, I feel I feel like there'll probably be something that'll pop up and then I'll just probably drop it on the Discord and then the guys will be like, who the heck is this guy? And then there'll be that one guy who's like, I don't really like this guy. He doesn't like you. I'm sorry. I don't like you either. And just be like, he doesn't like you either. And it'll be fine. <laughs> uh, and it'll, it'll work out fine. Um, but yeah. He seems a little bleeped up to me. Yeah. I think it's a cop out. But yeah, there's, 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 um, yeah, I loved Open Agenda. If people haven't seen that card, you need a, you know, if you want some card draw in your hand and some fun shenanigans, man, you get to do some scrying and loads it's, of it's fun It's in a lot of my decks now, Open so Agenda. Good. I think I ordered. 17. 15 of it. Oh, oh it's close. close. 15. Play set. Play f five play sets. Five play sets. Five places, five places. You know, a casual five places. I don't know. For me, like, there's so many cards I like, and we've said some of them already. But I, I'm a blue player as well. So for me, Tetranite Micro Lining. I just absolutely love that card, and particularly when I'm running it with uh, Trithelion Platings, and I just make people cry. Yes. Um, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a really good card. I have Pierce Ten. It does nothing. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, and that's why I like it because my blue decks are safe again. But yeah, yeah, that that's a cracking cracking card. Um, I don't have a least favorite. I like. Sounds rubbish. Doesn't it? I like everything. It's all good. It's all good. Um, but I do. I, I do. For me, this this is it's just a personal thing. Crash bash. Um, <laughs> and we've already touched on this. Like I, I don't know I don't know if he should have been allowed to live in a world with Fangry and Horrible. That's but it's not because I don't like Crash Bash as a card. I think he's a great card. He's fantastic. He's versatile. He does a lot of stuff that the other six star ones don't do. But one of my fears prior to um, seeing the results of World Strike, uh, the the encounter one was the four head thing. You know, the, there was one that wasn't. It was a uh, Crash Bash Horrible. Fangry and then Top Shot, if I recall. I played that deck. Yeah. I, I was like, this shouldn't be possible. It's wrong. It's not natural. And there you go. That's my thought. That's my thoughts on Crash Bash, and I think we'll leave it there. <laughs> yeah, and that deck that deck did not win, so <laughs> that was it actually, did not. I am I'm very happy to announce that that deck did not win. So I'm happy to say that. Because yeah, I mean there was there's been a lot of discussions about that particular combination. And I think the reason why um, it didn't win is because they just don't play as well together as it seems on paper. Um, I, I very much wanted uh, Crash Patch to live in the mixed or blue 
um, you know, realm of existence. And, uh, you know, Fangry, you can make the argument that, well, Fangry has uh, tough too when he uh, defends against a enemy that has fewer stars than them. Like, well, how often do you actually see Fangry actually ever flip to that mode? <laughs> Most of the time, people put him in an orange shell. Fangry doesn't flip. He's just got one mode. To be fair, he has his body mode, or he has he has he has alt mode, and he has his head mode, which turns into a, a little friend. This is true. That's, that's the modes that he has. This is yeah. true. Um, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, I very much wanted to make sure that uh, um, Crash Bash uh, did not live in that degenerate um, six-star body orange uh, black shell. Um, I wanted to make sure that he did not operate well in that paradigm, even with um, you know different heads. He just wasn't optimized for that kind of play, um, and uh, that's why you see these decks like uh, yeah, like uh, Exhaust Crash Bash uh, do well um, because yeah, they 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 play towards what uh, 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 Veril calls uh, clown vomit. You know, just the uh, <laughs> orange uh, orange blue yeah um, orange blue black green everything. Um, Colors that you've never even imagined. <laughs> He's yeah. really good. Lee, did you want to do the next question? Yeah, so this is um, from uh, Anthony or Anthony uh, Woodward. He says, Please press him on why LLOD exists. I'm not convinced he's aware of the problems he's created. You're dumb. You're dumb. Yeah, that, that button does get... The button does get pressed a lot. Luckily, we've uh, reinforced the button with some high-quality uh, uh, rubber and polymers and uh, a nice, uh, uh, you know, top side that you know fits the finger very uh, because you know people are just slamming on that button twenty-four-seven. Uh, no, it's, it's a bit of a meme at this point. Um, but uh, LLD is last line of defense, the uh, um, promo Omega Supreme strat that uh, gets hate from people that you know don't play the card very much, and then you know it's accepted as like somewhat irrational as for people that played against it a lot um but uh yeah it was designed to be strong it is strong and one 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 uh one one passed and we didn't nerf it so i think uh i think we're good i'm smiling a little bit but also i'm just i'm still i still let a bad taste in my mouth you know just kind of like crash bash for dave so it's fine <laughs> i've had some interesting uh games against you that one, the Galvatron one, oh my god, it just keeps getting hilarious. Like, the one time I've not really been playing Transformers and Dev's like, I've got these really cool decks. He's like, I'm just going to hit you for 17. I'm like, so that's Magnus dead. That's great. You like, what am I doing with my life? Like, seriously. <laughs> Come on to have some casual fun games and my Galvatron's running rampant right now over here. I love it. It's good. We always have some banter. I'm sorry. It's fine. So I'm sorry. sorry. It's I'm not it's, def it's definitely right. a Stone Cold Steve Austin moment. It is. It definitely. definitely is. Yeah, you know, at some point, I've, I've had my revenge a little bit. Yeah, I think we, I think we talked enough about Last Line of Defense. I think it's a good card. I think it needed to be there. Um, I think it's just about how, like you say, Adam, how you you face it, and and if you're if you know you're going against it, or it could be a thing make sure you, you've got answers. And that's all you really need to do. It's like any other meta choice, isn't it? It's 100% so. true. One of those answers is also alcohol. Just have a bottle ready. Like, because it's a learning experience. <laughs> or, or just refuse to play Dave ever again. That's just fine. Just refuse to play <laughs> Dave. That's so extreme. It's like, yeah, David, a bit. I did rage quit. I just kind of just laughed. It was like, this is insane. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> it, it was really good. Well, you know, if you punch yourself in the face first, it doesn't hurt later.
No, it doesn't. Yeah, it's true. Again. It doesn't hurt as much. I tell you what, it's like it's like you're in a fight with someone, and they're punching you in the face, right? Right. And so what you go and do is you punch yourself in the face. All right. So what if he's not? I'm having a fight with this fictionary man, right. and he's not punching me hard enough in the face to make me go mental and win. Let's do an experiment, Barry. We'll have a fight right now, right? And when you start losing and you're not, you're not doing very well, you, you punch yourself in the face, go mental and start winning. Show what? them all, all that works. I'm not going to punch myself in the face. Why not, Barry? So we've got a couple of questions left before, before we wrap up. So Matifer, um, our friend from the Canadian Alps, has asked a similar question. So I'll give you one more opportunity to talk about another card maybe that you love and, and the reasons why from, from the set. So what, what were your other favourite cards, you know, sort of pet projects that um, you, you love and, and the reasons why? Um, I think uh, just to pull out another card um, that certainly got a little bit of a discussion in this podcast, um, one of the wordier cards in uh, the uh, battle cards was uh, um, Discord Cacophony. Um, there was the noise maze uh, uh, secret action which has a ton of different qualifiers but if you remove the qualifiers and you obfuscate them into say names <laughs> the word names is actually pretty simple um, as long as you don't pay attention to the list of names the actual way that it operates is very, fairly simple basically the whole gist of it is um, if you're in a situation where multiple characters are untapped and one of them swings you can basically choose that one not to swing and the other one does um, that one's actually kind of thematic to uh, reroute enemy vectors, where the the opponent is being played is being forced to play out of sequence. Um, maybe they have a flame war they were looking to swing in last, and now they're being forced to swing in with flame war first. Um, I think that sort of gameplay just is very interesting, um, giving the opponent basically the opportunity to um, yeah play out a sequence and also have cards which may help out that sort of situation. Um, maybe packing in a bit more bold or uh, um, tough uh, or armor onto you know characters which they're kind of hoping to have hide in the back, but they're being forced not to. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, forcing them to you know protect those characters if they're going to be indeed uh, swinging with them. So having those options out, I think. Uh, provides for more unpredictable and more interesting gameplay despite the uh, despite the wordiness of the card and uh, to the point of wordiness um, you know I think uh, you know some creators are definitely fans of this sort of approach because some fans see it as a forecast of you know things to come and that's usually that's one way that these sort of lists are often presented for example if we look at something like uh, assuming control then people look at uh, the appearance of uh, mega empress on the list or uh, dr archiville on the list as being uh, you know spoiler alert <laughs> you know possible future cards right um the thing is, you know, maybe we do those cards. Maybe we are indeed, you know, sort of uh, protecting our design space there, and maybe we're not. Um, maybe we're just throwing those out there as just sort of random references that just happen to match that particular theme. Um, I know that uh, there are definitely other creators that are in our circles that are not fans of that approach because it just leads to more mind space. And my sort of my sort of response to that is that if you're going to be playing with that card a lot, you know exactly who it affects and what it does and the effect itself is not that complicated but the list is just kind of long so it can read a bit uh, you know a bit uh, you know burdensome at the beginning so but if you understand that there's a certain list of characters that this affects and it leads to this you know particular ability then it's not that it's not that difficult after all yeah we, we comment on that when we review we're like there's lots of words <laughs> lots of but like it, do, it does really boil down to 
Um, it's a list, and if your character's name is on that list, then you get to do this. So it's not, like you say, it's not complex. It's just it's a bit like, whoa, when you first see the card. Um, and I think that comes from, you know, a lot, a lot of them like share a lot of common thematic traits that weren't ever made traits um, from a, from a gameplay mechanic sense. So that's where you've like, well, thematically, these guys should be able to do this. Like, uh, are these wise important? Another one, isn't it? Um, that has a list of characters. Yeah. Yeah, I feel as well because you've you've teased some characters. There's a specific judge you've teased, and if you don't bring out that card, I feel Dave and myself, who have read comics and how much of a douche that guy is, just to probably we'll have some serious words at him. I'm just saying his all, mate. Because if you bring him out, <laughs> and if he's if he's on the power, should we? Well, so we say on the curve as some of the Quintesson judges. I'm excited to play him. Like, dude, he'll be insanely awesome. The funny thing about Tyrus is that. Uh, um, he does have an alt mode. Um, apparently, it's a uh, uh, an air, some sort of aircraft, like a jet fighter. But you don't ever see his uh, him transform. So there's really sort of no way to know what he looks like. Uh, personally, I don't. I find that sort of challenge good. I, I, that's a that's a design challenge, a, a you know conceptual challenge that I'm happy to approach. Um, you know, as far as approaching Tyrus to you know, uh, you would need to be able to make, figure out what that alt mode is and come up with something that looks like his robot mode. I think that's cool and you know awesome and a you know a fun opportunity to bring to life. Um, yeah, that's that's the challenge around bringing Tyrus to life, but also every, all the fan expectations. Like you take one of the uh, one of the guiding hand <laughs> and uh, bring it to life. People are people are going to ex- be expecting uh, something truly truly epic. True, true, true. I true. can't wait to see what you've got in got in store for us uh, later today. I... Tyrus is just mental in the in the books. He's, he's just, a maniac. Just, he's, just, maniac. he's loony. He's a loony. Isn't he? He's a loony bruv. He's all over the shop. Uh. Well, now that we have now that custom cards are printed, we could potentially have uh, um, we could potentially have some abilities which allow you to uh, sort of um, exploit the medium in which uh, the cards are printed. So let's say if you print it in maybe the card says explicitly do not print this on a real card print this only in copier paper and then in order to activate the you know the actual ability you have to take a pencil and poke a hole into his tyrus and the more holes he has in him the more attack damage he has or the more epiphanies he has i don't know what that means that'll be that'll be taking design to a whole nother level and i love it (laughs) it'd be awesome right Okay, uh, moving on to the final question by Christian Young. He says, uh, how do you get sponsors for a TCG that isn't officially supported? (laughs) Cool, but definitely curious how that works. Love that question, Christian. Love that question. See, Um, I think the important thing to bring out is that it's all about money. You know, it's about making money. It's about counting money. It's about counting your YouTube uh, bucks. I know you guys are rolling deep in the YouTube bucks. Um, it's about the sponsorships. That's where the that's where the cheese is. And I'm all about just swimming in that deep, you know, <laughs> deep content creation cheese. And you know, when uh, when those two sponsors came to talk to me, you know, I was just like, hey, can we do business? And we did. And you know, I made mistakes. And I paid for my mistakes, and the team, you know, I don't know if they'll ever forgive me, you know, precisely for denying them all that beautiful, you know, content creation bucks, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get through it. And uh, and I hope that everybody was entertained by the, by the very public mistakes that we made. So good. <laughs> 
it's, it's quite ironic. Recently, I've actually picked up a sponsor for the Hustlers, actually, a UK store that are offering, <laughs> offering 10% off. Um, when you use the, when when you use the code that I I bring up on my my video at the end and so <laughs> it's quite funny to just to see that yes no two days ago but yeah like um it was hilarious man I was, I was like, is this for real <laughs> and then like oh it's it's the first of April oh <laughs> brilliant oh it's still April first over on the other side of the world yeah right <laughs> forgot about that. I love it. So what? So what was it? Just so people who didn't didn't catch the inside joke on the April Fools. Like I said, uh, April Fools is one of my favorite holidays because I'm a terrible person, and uh, yeah, and I get to I get to be a terrible person once a year, and the rest of the year I have to play as a very nice, community-minded person, and uh, <laughs> I'm bad. I'm sorry. But there is a spoiler coming up uh, related to the uh, related to the April Fool stuff. Um, we do actually do have a promo coming up uh, in the next few days. Uh, it's more of an Easter promo. But if you remember the uh, promo from Christmas that we did, oh, the aspect, the aspect of laughter, which was, uh, shall we say, very holiday themed. And uh, yeah, you can expect something very similar to that. Uh, yeah, we're hoping to have something uh, rolling out here in the next couple of days. So uh, something to look forward to and. Uh, get those get those cards printed and you should have a hopefully have an egg-tastic time i'll just say that <laughs> love it love it okay so with that being said guys that is another episode in the books it has been again it's been a, it's been a bit of a long one but it's also been a really enjoyable one because i think dave and me really enjoy reviewing the sets but it's also cool getting uh the design well the design aspect from behind the scenes it's really interesting because every time we seem to have a designer on we learn something new about dabbling into design and what what challenges what unique ideas people have had and stuff and it's great and adam i just want to thank you uh from from myself i bet dave's going to say thank you as well but uh, for coming on this podcast um this is your chance to blurb out everything that's coming your way for the bay formers go on sir i'll even put some fancy music in here we go tell the world what you're doing so i will say that uh, the, the letter after bfa is bfb i'm going to there's one thing that we focused on during the uh, uh development of bfa is that we did not want to introduce any new mechanics in the game we just wanted to introduce a new faction that had interesting novel ways to play but really much very much stayed within the boundaries of uh, what wizards and hasbro put into the game for bfb that is going out the window so um as far as bfb is concerned uh, we have encounter two which is our current um bfa tournament but uh one of the, one of the features we have uh for that is that some of our players also have alpha decks on the side so if you watch Encounter 2 and you want spoilers as to what's being cooked up in BFB, I recommend that you watch some games. You might see something you haven't seen before. Um, so there's there's some limited spoilers um, with for BFB in Encounter 2, but we're really looking forward to uh, starting the public beta for BFB within the next couple months, and there's a very good chance that you might see the ARC Bayformers collaboration go live before then. So it's a huge big time for us in TBA formers we're really really excited about what's coming we expect the game to change in very drastic ways um, 
I would expect the unexpected, and I don't think the game will be played quite the same way when we're done. Hopefully, at least in our in our little meta, in our little corner of uh, of the game, um, we expect the game to be very different. So, look forward to that. Wow. Okay, that is that is a that is an atom bomb. That's another tactical nuke, I think. Dave just dropped there. Tactical nuke incoming. Just the wasteland is now returned after that uh, after that casual spoil. Yes, the wait. The that, I think that's very apropos for you to say. I think it's safe to say, the wasteland is before us. Oh, okay. Ooh, I like it. Hope it doesn't like involve. It. Tom Hardy at all. You know, more Mel Gibson, that's all I'm saying. Um, right, with that hilarious bombshell, Dave, what uh, what have you got coming up on your channel? Just the usual, but looking at some more Tournament Tuesday stuff, um, doing some live alpha testing. Well, no, it's not live. It's recorded live, but we're doing some alpha testing of the set that I'm working on as part of the collaboration with you and the other members of our little community that meet up. Um, so next week we have stratagems for General Megatron and for Raider Skytread. So they're going on on the channel. Both quite pleased with where they are. They're they're quite quite fun to play with without making any, either of them oppressive. Skytread needs a fighting chance. So it's interesting. If you like Raider Skytread, uh, uh, um, have a look at the the video that's coming out next week. Um, really, just working on on testing with with our group at the moment um that's kind of taken a massive part of my time sort of designing and play testing so we've just been alpha testing sort of on the channel and off the channel so regrettably um it's not something i wanted to do but i've had to drop down to one video a week because i just can't put out the content and test and see my children and my wife and and do all that so it's a bit quieter from what's coming out but it's just gonna be more of the same. But it's just gonna be spread out a little bit more. What about you, mate? You've you you've been a busy bee. You're playing a new game. What, what madness is that? Flipping, mate. Everyone should download Faria. Faria is a phenomenal game. I'm never like I don't even have an endorsement like by them. It's just a great game. I'm enjoying that. I've, so Faria Fridays is a series where basically, if you like Magic the Gathering, you like board games, and you like it, kind of feels a little bit like Hearthstone. Yeah, that's what I'm doing every Friday. It's basically just building decks and having a little bit of fun and just trying some fun stuff out. Um, this, well, when when this goes live, you'll probably go and be able to check it out. My second episode of Imperial Assault drops. Like, yeah. And there's a famous Wookiee that's in it. And he kicks ass and takes names, literally. I didn't think he was that good. I was wrong. Enough said. On that front, he was very, very good. But Transformers-wise, yeah, we've got some stuff brewing. And uh, leading on to a fun segue, the next podcast we're doing, obviously we stated a few podcasts ago, we are going to be reviewing um, Alpha Trion Protocols, obviously three. Uh, we're going to do that eventually. But Dave and me and a few other people, we have an announcement to make. And uh, uh, it's going to be a fun little podcast. We're just going to talk about like what we've been working on behind the scenes. Kind of like the Quintessons, if you will, Adam. We've kind of been working in the shadows, taking notes and think, figuring yeah, out some it's fun exciting. stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's exciting because it, it's, it's not just um, a set. There's something else coming as well, guys. So keep your ears peeled. We've got some. We've got some big names um, within the community that are involved with us as well. Like, um, so yeah, it's gonna be cool. 
going to be a ton of fun. So now we're going to put Adam on the spot. We're going to put Adam on the spot because I know he's a regular listener. So uh, we're going to we're going to do our famous goodbye, Adam. Are you ready for this, Adam? So you can be part of like podcast history. So it's a goodbye from me, Lee. It's a goodbye from me, Vilmu, Adam. It's a goodbye from me, Dave, the Energon Hustler. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, Lee, I'm going to let you do the rest because I can't remember the whole spiel. <laughs> Mate, like, you just put me on the spot. I'm five beers in. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like. A like is much appreciated. Comment below. Tell us your thoughts. Tell us what you're enjoying about the Bay Farmers. And also, if you want to subscribe, subscribing is awesome. Go check out the Bay Farmers. Link is in the description. All that jazz. And without further ado, that's another episode of One Shall Stand, One Shall Fall. We'll see you for episode 23. <gasps> oh, I'm spent. One shall stand, one shall fall.